suicide. We need a suicide jingle. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's April 8, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 189. This is No Agenda. Tracking crazy cars eyes, poppy intake, and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California, IA. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. It's garbage day here in Northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning to you, John. Uh, morning to you. Hey, we started on time, almost. No, Perfect. we missed it by two minutes. <laughs> that's, that's, we're doing pretty good. I like Yeah, it. well, let's see if we can end on time. That would be a winner. <sighs> I don't know, man. There's been a lot of stuff going on. It's just, you know, we have the, uh, the long, like, one extra day in between shows on the, on the Thursday show. It's just like, ugh. There's so much Yeah, happening. but, you know, luckily a lot of it is tied up around Tiger Woods. By the way, he's teeing <laughs> off as we speak. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're actually watching that while you're on the show? No, I don't care to watch it. I'm not going to watch it at all. I'm not even going to okay. watch the reruns. Okay. <laughs> because you'll know if he won or not. I don't care. Not worth it. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Well, what do you have on the top of your weirdness list? Well, the weirdness list has to be, uh, and maybe we, uh, maybe we just tease it and then we get into it after we announce our uh, producers. Uh, this uh, all of a sudden, this you know guy from uh, Council on Foreign Relations and another guy from the United Nations come out and say, "Well, uh, President Karzai of Afghanistan, he's uh, he's either a ment- mentally ill or he's he's smoking his own he's dope." A stoner. <laughs> It's like what? <laughs> I, I said I saw the same stuff. What can we do to this this to get to the, this guy's not cooperating? No, I mean, it's so like, let's make up some stuff. <laughs> but I mean, the, the the guy is the president of the Council on Foreign Relations. Is like, okay, do you, I mean, could it be any more obvious they're setting him up? It's like what? It's just nuts. Well, I don't know what. I mean, what did he do wrong? Isn't I guess he wasn't playing ball with. Some, I guess he was supposed to be doing something. He's not doing it. I don't know. We don't know what that is. Well, it puts a whole bunch of things into perspective. First of all, uh, Obama's visit to uh, Afghanistan. And they, uh, right on the heels of that comes uh, comes this news. You want just? Should we just play this uh, this little clip where uh, where the guy actually says he's like on drugs? Yeah, play it. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. It was on, uh, I think it was on MSNBC, and it was just the craziest. It was like on a, on a morning on, show. Though, with nearly 100,000 U.S. forces fighting in Afghanistan, the president of that country has escalated a war of words, blaming the West and the U.S. specifically for interference. He even threatened to join the Taliban. In now, fact, this, now, now this, this is the thing that's kind of interesting. Oh, what happened there? Just went away. Uh, he threatened to join the Taliban. Yeah, which, by the way, turns out to be completely and totally bogus. He denies it, and everybody around him says it's bullshit. I, I know, uh, although, um, interestingly enough, it's the Associated Press that came out and said that, and now aides to Karzai deny that he threatened to join the Taliban, but the, it was Associated Press who... And CBS was also all over this. I mean, everyone jumped on the bandwagon, I guess, without either, A, sourcing it or... Just taking the White House memo. Rig last year's election so he would lose. Well, Peter Galbraith joins us live this morning from Norway. And, sir, let me ask you, what... So this is a former United Nations dude, and he's in Norway for some apparent, in apparently important reason. So, so uh, President Karzai is 
behind the scenes threatening to join the Taliban. He just met with President Obama two weeks ago. Do we think he made that same threat to the president uh, in their talks? I'm sure he did not. But uh, these charges, uh, at first, they were, uh, you know, almost uh, amusing. Uh, as I think many people know, I was actually uh, fired by the Secretary General because I wanted to do something about the fraud in last year's election. Uh, and, of course, the fraud was organized by Karzai's appointees, and he was the beneficiary of it. But this continued tirade uh, raises questions about his mental stability, and frankly, uh, this has been something that uh, has been of concern to diplomats in Kabul. Wait, wait, wait. This is great, isn't it? So this guy was fired by Ban Ki-moon? Is that who he was fired by? That's what he says. Because, what it sounds like. So wait a minute. So this is kind of interesting. So he's former UN. He was fired by the UN because he was trying to bring the fraud in Afghanistan to the forefront. Man, these guys got some great cover stories. You think they're just sitting there at night going, hey... I know how we'll do it. Listen, <laughs> we'll get some guy who was fired so he won't seem like an official, but then we'll get him to say some really crazy stuff. What do you mean by Very that? Emotional. Well, uh, he, he's, he's prone to tirades. Uh, he, he can be, be very emotional, act impulsively. In fact, uh, <laughs> in other words, it's his time of the month. Some of the palace insiders uh, say that he has a certain fondness for uh, some of Afghanistan's most profitable exports. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's? Do you think he's smoking the? Uh, that he's injecting the H. Is he riding the white horse, or do you think he's smoking the the Afghan uh, black tar, the black? I thought he's talking about uh, tomatoes. <laughs> listen listen to these MSNBC yahoos like whoa whoa let's be if you're gonna make that allegation let's be explicit about so, it so you're saying he's got an issue he's got his own uh, substance abuse problem They're they can't even say it they can't e they can't even say dude he's smoking dope I, that's that's weird but they have to skirt around the issue. And uh, that, there are I, reports. Sorry, what? It's baffling that they they can't just say it. For some reason, yeah, because, oh, if you're going to make those allegations, they don't want, you know, they're like, oh, we can't get sued. Oh, shit. Where's the talking points memo? What are we supposed to say here? He's going off script. So, to that effect. But whatever the cause is, the, the reality is that he is, he, he, he can be very emotional. These are things that are not at all in the interest of Afghanistan. Uh, maybe, maybe this is just part of the, uh, the anti marijuana legalization lobby, John. Uh, it's a stretch. I don't think so. <laughs> it is. All right. So we can talk more about that. First, let's uh, introduce the executive producer for today's episode of No Agenda. Today being April 8th, 2010. This is episode 189. Yeah, we actually have two executive producers and two associate executive producers today. Okay. And uh, curiously, the executive producers both gave the exact same amount of money. Nice. Three thirty-three thirty-three. Ah, they're going for the triple play with the magic numbers. If you donate three times three hundred and thirty dollars, three hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents, then we kick in the extra penny and make you a knight. Renee Schwartz, S W E R T Z from Harlem, Netherlands. Ah, Renee Dunkyville. Yes, and he's doing it, but it's not really. He's not going to be the one's executive producer. He's doing it on behalf of Milo Lisa De Camp. 
Oh, and so who will be named? So what? So do I put Renee in here or no? I guess that's no, no, Milu, right? Milu, yeah. Okay. And she's a newborn, and he's calling out her parents as being a. a <laughs> I guess you know. I don't know if they're listeners to the show or whatever, but he's calling them out as uh, horrible people. Douchebag. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. Uh, I, just, there's no real explanation. He just is, <laughs> so that's what okay. he's. I think he's trying to embarrass him by giving uh, Milu the um, executive producership. I think so. Is me. It, Milu's a newborn? Yeah. Oh, great. That's our youngest executive producer. <laughs> and just as talented as any executive That's producer right. in Hollywood. And, <laughs> and what a career she has ahead of her. Yeah, that's an early start. Yeah. You know, that's better than like a Tiffany bite ring. I mean, let's be honest about it. Yeah, I think everybody out there should do this because you'd ha- you actually have these kids a legitimate item on their resume that will have people baffled. I'm going like, wow, you started well, really young in the business. This is a long time. <laughs> yeah. This kid will actually grow up to be a world leader and it'll be a black mark on her resume. Well, that's always the drawback. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, David Eichler, uh, I-C-K-L-E-R, Marion, Ohio. Um, his wife, Jesse's looking for work as a registered nurse, so he figured he needed to donate to the show. <laughs> well, good thinking. <laughs> this is an excellent. Well, actually, in uh, when we talk about our supporters later on, uh, yet more uh, examples of the Karma Club of donating to uh, to No Agenda. So exactly. it, it, it does seem to work. Okay, uh, Milu Lisa de Kemp and David Eichler or Eichler. What do you think? Eichler. Eichler. Long eyes and ice. Eichler. Uh, today's executive producers. The associate executive producers are John. Uh, Keith Bradshaw, Statesville, North Carolina, the prettiest state in the country, uh, $200. And Jonas Astrum, also uh, this exact same amount. So we have kind of a balancing thing, another $200. from, And he's in Vindlin, Sweden. Excellent. Uh, he also says, happy birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to play the jingle. No, you don't have to. Please no. don't. Yeah, you uh, you celebrated. I guess you kind of celebrated on end. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So um, that's it. Yeah, that's that's our our, our uh, people who paid for today's show. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Milu Lisa De Kemp and David Eichler as our executive producers today. Associate executive producers Keith Bradshaw, Jonas Astrom. We really appreciate your support. Put it on your resume. We'll vouch for you and go out and do this. Our formula is this: we go out. We hit people in the mouth. Shut up, slave. So, uh, if uh, if Renee or uh, Milu's parents continue, she could also be the youngest knight. Oh. That would be interesting. Think about that for a second, huh? We'd have to make smaller rings. Well, they can pound them down, I think, in the jewelers. <laughs> so she wouldn't be able to lift her hand. Hey, kid, it's built for growth. You'll grow into it. You'll grow into your knighthood. Now, we uh, we really appreciate it. This is a real credit, uh, as you know, and you, uh, as I said, you can put it on your resume. Uh, and also put it in your uh, email signature. A lot of people doing that. It's fun to see that. Um, and- yeah, yeah, we like seeing that. And maybe I should just quickly mention a couple of uh, not official PR associates, but people who are are doing the work. Drew Larson sent us a note and said, I'm a college student at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I had a very entertaining chance to promote No Agenda. At our school, we have a student art gallery that changes every week. 
Uh, this week we had a viewer participation showing, which is basically a graffiti wall anyone who stops by can add to. I thought it would be a great opportunity to slip in noagendashow.com on the wall. When I got there, someone else had beaten me to it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Noagendashow.com showdown. Yeah, this is good. Uh, and then uh, actually Randy Asher, uh, is it noagendastuff.com that he has? Uh, I think that's, that's a what, good question. I think that's his website. He says that uh, he had uh, 16 items sold, and he sent us our cut. And uh, Paul B. is uh, still out there in California putting stencils up on buildings, rather good. large. Yeah, yeah Just I think, make sure you don't do anything illegal. No, <laughs> please don't. We're going to see Paul on the news one night, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's for sure. But, you know, it's a little easier. You know, if Paul, uh, you know, in California, typically uh, the way they have the laws written, most graffiti writers are um, under 16, and they can't really do much. And they, they kind of, they really burn out about, you know, when they turn 17 because, uh, or 16, I guess, when they turn 16, because they can get arrested and they, the, 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 the penalties are a lot worse. So the best ones are, that are the ones that are actually the most prolific because they can get away with it are uh, usually 15 year olds. And yeah, uh, yeah John, that, go ahead. Why don't you promote using 15 year olds? You're on a roll here. This is great. So I think we should have all the 15 year olds out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, because they're safer. Anyway, uh, yeah, that that's car, probably that, illegal. What I did, so I'm just so I deny it. I'm, I'm sorry, I did it. I'm not. I, I didn't mean it. That uh, that cars eye thing was was really weird, and I think you know the the, the guy is clearly go, is headed for disaster. Um, and and you know, and this guy was educated in the United States. His brother has a whole chain of restaurants. Uh, yeah, you know, just, I think he used to hang out in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean the the guys like he was p- part of the club. Hey, he's, he's on he's on speed balls or something. I mean, who knows? I mean, the guy's on drugs. He's got he's going to flip. Well, this is all really. I mean, it really is incredibly. They're probably weird. doping him. Think about that too. You got a CIA guy in there. Put a little something in his coffee. I mean, I, I, I he was a supporter of the Taliban. Uh, uh, Back in the day, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was. I have this news to me. Oh really? No, 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 no. I have the whole history here. Yeah, that's uh, probably bogus. No, but um, but not not during our occupation. He was there, in, uh, I guess, right after the Russians and the Mujahideen, which of course you know the guy. Look, Karzai was CIA. I don't know. May, maybe it's a CIA wars type thing that we should be looking at here. But for, but the, he's definitely headed for a oops. My airplane exploded in the air type of event. Oh yeah, this is yeah. No, I don't. Th- I've been waiting for that. And and uh, and I was shot watching- down or accident. You know, there'd be some uh, ran into a hill or shot <laughs> so, by enemy fire. So whoops. <laughs> so I'm watching um, Geraldo tying into this. By the way, hold on. Now we talk about him. Uh, uh, Plowing into a or getting shot out of the air. Don't you think we've already set the public up for that possibility by having that video floating around with the guy with the RPG? Oh, notes yeah. around oh, the corner, oh, yeah. the no, Apache chopper. I, I want to talk about that. We definitely have to have a conversation. But but before we even get to that, I saw now Geraldo is on. I think once a week, right on uh, on. It's like on the weekend. It's on the weekends, yeah. And uh, and I you know I grew up watching Geraldo when he opened Al Capone's vault. You know? Oh, that was just, that was just riveting. <laughs> and he and he brought up some plates from the Titanic, and it was like this, he was one of the first kind of brazen, 
uh, crazy ass reporters uh, in New York. Yeah, you know, I was in New York at the time. He was just becoming really like this this guy. Yeah, he was really, an ambush reporter. Ambush reporter, right? Remember, he got the chair thrown at his face on his show. Yeah, that looked like it was rigged. Yeah, of course it was rigged. So he's uh, in. This is over the Easter weekend. He's in uh, Afghanistan with uh, with our troops, and he has this unbelievable. And he has this uh, pre-roll. He has Who's this, that? Uh, pre-roll for Walgreens. He has this unbelievable report, which I'm putting in the show notes, and you have to also see it at uh, noagendatv.com. Um, and it, the whole thing was just from beginning to end blew me away because it's it really shows. This is on Fox and Friends, by the way. He was doing a special report. It really shows what we are doing in Afghanistan, and you know that I, I hold I hold very tightly to my theory that we're just there for the poppy harvest. And this report basically corroborates it. Listen to this. Welcome back. A pleasure this morning as Geraldo Rivera embedded with troops in Afghanistan's Helmand province. Right now, there is a new effort underway by U.S. troops to help control Afghanistan's opium production, which is a serious problem in the region. Yeah, let's go live this morning to the forward operating base in Marja, where Geraldo is enjoying an Easter meal uh, this morning here in the United States with troops there. Good morning to you, Geraldo. Hi, Dave, Clayton, and Allison. Uh, yeah, it's usually meals ready to eat, those uh, pre-prepared meals, but it is uh, Easter Sunday afternoon, and they're serving steaks. The Marines are very excited. They lined up early. Uh, they uh, are uh, enjoying a rare treat in this uh, in this forward operating base where just 48 days ago... Now, wh- here comes the, the first bit of propaganda. ...or rather helicopter-borne uh, invasion since Vietnam took place. There was some bitter fighting in the area. Uh, come on. And Chaplain Bruley. Uh, an, uh, he brings the chaplain in. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of guys lining up behind him, which is by the way, it's completely staged because you know, when they when they have food, they don't eat. It's not the line is not outside. It's inside a tent, so they're all outside lining up, you know, getting their steak. It's just it's completely staged. And I was oh, bring the chaplain in. Hey, chaplain. Uh, this is in. the chaplain uh, 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 from the uh, 1st Battalion, 6th Marines. As the guys line up for their steak dinners, they had bitter fighting just a few hundred meters from here. Or, you know, they used to say in previous wars, there are no such thing as an atheist. What's that in English? I don't know. A few hundred meters. Oh, yeah. You know, the funny thing is a few hundred meters means that these guys could fire a rocket right into that line if they're that close. Well, it gets better. You will not believe this. In a foxhole. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Very true. So tell me how the young Marines, what they say to you, especially on a day like today. Uh, They're just thankful to be here, thankful to be alive, you know, thankful that um, they've been protected through all of this and they've been through a lot. And um, they're just happy to still be here, ready to go home and see their families. And you have a service in one of the tents at uh, 2000? Yes, sir. Right, chaplain, thank you, and happy Easter to you. Thank you. Totally useless information. Okay, so now none of them are in combat gear. You're absolutely right. A few hundred meters away, so anything could be lobbed into this thing at any time. But they're all calm. They're lining up for their meal. You know, yeah, uh, the big the way, fight now. That sorry, a hundred meters is um, yeah, it's, it's it, three hundred feet. feet. So yeah. six hundred feet. Which yeah. you could, th- some people could throw a ball that far. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the guys uh, are, uh, they just had a fight there in the 300, you know, 600 feet away and yeah. they're eating, they're yeah, outside. And that, no, they're Don't just chilling. No, okay. no, nothing at all. Okay, now wait, it gets better. The Taliban has gone into the shadows. Yes, they're still attacking, sniping, uh, and setting off those improvised explosive devices. 
Yeah, they're attacking. They're sniping. Uh, no, no, they're not. We're all having a nice Easter meal. That these gigantic uh, uh, marine uh, uh, armored vehicles prevent, uh, protect the uh, the guys against. Uh, but you have to know that the main fight right now is an anti-drug fight. It's a counter-narcotics fight. Okay, you're hearing this, right? It's a it's a counter narcotics fight. Just so you know, forget Osama bin Laden. Now it's a counter narcotics fight. It's to get the poppies that grow in such abundance here that are fueling the Taliban insurgency. And if you want to see exactly how close the vast fields of poppy, the opium poppy, are, just take a look at this. Now just to give you an idea of how pervasive it is and how daunting the task of eradicating the opium around here, I want to show you how prevalent it is. Just in the shadow of the United States forces here to try to wean the population off this addictive drug. I want you what does that mean? To, <laughs> like they're, they're not all stoned. They're growing it, dude, to wean the population off this addictive narcotic. So he's walking over to a gate inside the camp to follow me into this compound just scant feet away open the old door now, the door huge, that has huge been here doors. for quite a while and, and what you see is <laughs> a wonderland of opium <laughs> and there's like a like a poppy field for as far as you can see right outside <laughs> the gate they are protecting the poppies dude as far as the eye can see that opium is what fuels the Taliban insurgency. They're a lot like the FARC, the FARC rebels in Colombia. Whatever the Taliban started as, right now they are narco-traffickers and they are fueling their death and destruction with money from those opium poppies that feed heroin addicts in the four corners of the globe. So on Easter Sunday, and maybe that somber note, uh, let me go back uh, to you guys in New York. All right. So the camp is literally, I mean, it, it's, it's on the ditch. The di there's a ditch, and then there's these poppy fields, and they're not. It's not like they're burning them. No, the, the guys are just waiting because they're waiting for, I guess, the Taliban to say we're ready, and then to go yep. pick them up and put them in the plane and fly them out. It's funny. We never had any trouble using Agent Orange in Vietnam just to knock out some foliage. <sighs> they can just dive bomb these fields with a bunch of uh, plant killers, and that would be the end of it. It's uh. Oh wait, I, that would be the end of it if they actually wanted it to end. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> if they act, so it's so it's 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 so confusing, and then and so I <laughs> I run across one other story, which confused me even more because I'm looking at these uh, at these troops. You know, they're uh, they're in line now. Granted, this is the forward operating base, but you know we've talked a lot about uh, there being you know in Iraq at least when I was there. Uh, they had uh, Burger King, Pizza Hut, you know, all kinds of uh, fast food chains. And now um, the, uh, who is it, uh, Commander Sergeant Major Michael Hall wrote in a blog post, uh, quote, supplying non-essential luxuries to big bases like Bahram and Kandahar makes it harder to get essential items to combat outposts and forward operating bases where troops who are in the fight each day need resupply with ammunition, food, and water. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, you know, we're, we're in a war here. Now, in this article, they casually mention the following chains, I would have to say American fast food chains that are uh, in Afghanistan operating and serving for our troops. Pizza Hut, TGI Fridays, <laughs> uh, Burger King, 
Dairy Queen. <laughs> this is nuts. Uh, Orange Julius. And oh, I thought Orange Julius was out of business. That's interesting. <laughs> no, or okay, yeah. Warning that concessions like Orange Julius, Dairy Queen, and military car sales were also on the exit list. Paul said less obvious changes were coming too, including fewer canned and bottled goods coming into the country. I mean, what what is going on over there? I mean, is this not warmongering? I mean, our our troops uh, they need a they need a healthy meal. They don't need Burger King and Orange Julius. You mean war profiteering, not yes. warmongering? Oh yeah, profiteering. I'm sorry. Yeah, profiteering. It's just it's nuts. These are big government contracts. Yeah, the funny thing is, McDonald's is never one of the companies that does this. I find that yeah, peculiar. That is interesting. Well, Pizza yeah. Hut and Burger King are the same company, I think, aren't they? No, I don't think so. Really? I thought they were. Whatever the case is, Pizza Hut is everywhere in in these places. So do you think they serve Coke or Pepsi? I'm it, sure. That, it can't does be it both. say in the article? No, I don't know. It, no, they it probably doesn't. serve Coke it, more than Pepsi. It can't be both. Well, you never know. You never know. Anyway, I just like what? I don't know. I think I, I think uh, I'm finding the story to be just distressing. It's just we should uh, we should just stop Afghanistan coverage on our show. It's the same thing. It's just ludicrous. Well, we it's hard to stop the coverage because it's it's so it's so you know it makes the lie even easier. We can't. Someone's got to be saying it. Well, all I know is that it's just, it's just ridiculous. Well, so we had we had that um, uh, that video, which of course propagated uh, very very quickly. That WikiLeaks had been teasing for a few weeks. They had de- uh, decrypted the video, and uh, there was supposed to be a big cover up. And uh, here we are in two thousand seven. Uh, Apache helicopter gunships uh, murdered, quote murdered, uh, twelve to fifteen civilians, and everyone has a take on this. Oh yeah, and uh, and and I'm very confused. About There's it. some confusing aspects to it. Well, yeah, well, first of all, you know, who says it's real? Just because the State Department or the De- Department of Defense says, "Oh yeah, that's a real video." I mean, it could be anything. You know, to me, it just feels like there's a reason that this is coming out, and, and I, deep in my heart, I'm starting to doubt WikiLeaks. Well, you know, the, of course, you know, the, this is could be disinformation, but there is a story going around that WikiLeaks is a front for the CIA, and of course, we have uh, one of our themes of our show is that there's a CIA war uh, between different groups, with, either within the agency or with with other agencies or with the Obama administration. We don't know, and we'll never figure it out. We can just speculate. And uh, if that was the case, though, if they had any connection, this. Uh, Video and all the uh, the transcription, all the radio traffic chatter was uh, could have been planted for some embarrassing reason. Not sure. And also, maybe just to put a meme in this in the because you know the, as it's being analyzed to death by the internet. Uh, you know, there's apparently some guy that looks like he's got some huge weapon with him that he stands it up at one point and then he comes kind of peeks around the corner and points it at the chopper. And then you see a little, uh, if you just catch the frame, you see a little bit of a light that coming off the device, which which everyone thinks is an RPG, a thing that takes down these planes, uh, which would, to me, if that finally gets to be the main meme to come out of this thing, then they're going to use that 
to make the go that to make it sound as though that these devices are all over the place, and then when Karzai's plane gets blown up, it's going to be because of this. That means we got to we need more troops, or we need we got to do something about it. And uh, the the problem I have with when that when the guy comes around the corner with the RPG and points it at the chopper, clearly he sees the chopper and he's pointing at, but nobody else seems to see these things. Well, yeah, you know the the chopper is, uh, and I was talking with a couple of uh, service personnel over email, and you know, and a couple of pilots. And so we're trying to figure it out. You know, essentially, if you look at if you if you um, evaluate the time between shots fired that you hear on the video and the impact, it's a couple seconds. Uh, so we estimate it's actually is two seconds. I timed it. Yeah. So we estimate the helicopter must be at about five thousand feet. Um, you can be pretty quiet at five thousand feet, or it can be just another speck in the sky. I mean, that's pretty high up. Um. But you know, but the conversation—it's like, why don't we show uh, some of those uh, dead troops coming in? You know, that would be more shocking to people. You don't see that. No one, no one's going after those photos of the the coffins draped in the American flag. That you don't see that anymore. That's been banned, effectively, by the Ministry of Truth. Um, and you know, it's like, what what do you expect? I mean, the the way I read the story is. There was a, the helicopter was covering a, a Bradley, uh, which was uh, probably a hundred meters down the road. That's uh, three hundred feet in English, and uh, and then there's this uh, view of the RPG. I mean, there's there's so many different sides to it, but it's like, don't you understand the basic premise of boys and girls throwing hot lead at each other in the desert is kind of stupid to start with i mean doesn't doesn't anyone like see that okay this is what it is I mean, what is the point you know oh they're laughing well dude why don't you go sit in the desert for th- for for four tours and uh, and and you know and, and see your buddies blown yeah. up and getting shot at see if you laugh if uh, if you score yeah, well, there's that element, and we don't even know how much of this chatter is accurate. It, so could, you be, don't, it could be completely it could be put sweetened together. for all we know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There was an awful lot of traffic. I mean, we had, you know, two or two, I think I had a list here I wrote down of all these different uh, monikers they had. Bushwhackers 8, Bushwhacker 9, Bushwhacker 7, which I assume are the choppers because it would be, you know, Bushwhacker, get it, you know, looks like a, a weed chopper. And then they had... Um, a bunch of other uh, hotel and all kinds of other monikers. There was about 10 or 12 people on the channel uh, talking about this and pe- different people giving orders to shoot and other guys demanding to shoot. And I couldn't really tell which of the, I didn't analyze it enough to figure out which of the choppers uh, monikers was doing the shooting. But it's beside the point. The whole thing is, is a sketchy, uh, uh, perhaps planted video and i still think it might be to put create the idea in people's minds that the planes can be shot down with rpgs and they're very dangerous and then if something happens in the next few weeks regarding one of them we'll, we already know what they are yeah uh, I, I i don't think an rpg would be very effective at uh five thousand feet no, right. That's the other thing. Uh, yeah. So the whole thing, I think, it was just to introduce the RPG to be very effective of an airplane that's taking off or it's in a final approach or something like that. Uh, I and it, think. And, the, yeah, and then there's the the press angle, you know, uh, of the Reuters. Uh, you know, and this also looked more like a video from a drone to me. Nah. Well, I had those thoughts as well. 
But it, it pretty much, you know, you don't know. You just don't know. But the whole thing, you know, and NPR had uh, the WikiLeaks guys on. Uh, I'll put that, I actually already put that in the show notes. You and if they're at 5,000 feet, how do they get, you know, the way they're maneuvering around the building is kind of sketchy. They think they just move the boom. They're always behind the building now. And, and the angle of the uh, thing toward, at the building, I don't know. The whole thing is is just, a, you know, it needs more explanation. We need somebody to deconstruct that video. Well, no one's doing that. I mean, that's the whole problem not. is it? all we have is just a huge conversation. It's pro-war, anti-war. You know, I read the and comments at Dvorak.org. And there's like 150 comments, and it's all just the same thing. But no one's really even questioning why this why this is out. You know, WikiLeaks. Oh, we have to trust them immediately. I'm sorry, I don't. I just don't. Yeah, can't you know, trust anybody. They, they put a lot of uh, interesting stuff out, but you just really, you know, they really teased this. It was really built up. Remember, they had people. We, we didn't even talk about it on the show. No. People were, you know, they were being tailed, and I don't know, man. It just it, who's it, being tailed? The WikiLeaks uh, guys. Yeah, who are they? Nobody knows half of who half of them are. They don't even know where the servers are. This whole thing is very much of a spooky kind of operation. I, I tend to agree with the uh, with the theory that it's, uh, you know, they they say, well, we can't shut down WikiLeaks, and WikiLeaks has got this, you know, this crazy network where they can, you know, be out there because they're running. I guess there's some massively amazing black hats or somebody that know how to keep these things from, you know, how to hide the server in the in the giant web of the internets, and. Um, you know, I don't believe for a minute that the NSA or the CIA, either one of them, or military intelligence for that matter, if they spent like, you know, 30 days with a team of people, couldn't track these guys down and go in there and shut down the main server and, you know, and, and kill all the people doing Look, the thing. If, if I'm we, just not buying it. No, they, they me neither. If, if WikiLeaks was a problem, it would be gone. It would be gone. It's that simple. You know, these guys put two to the head to everybody whenever they want to, whatever, whenever they really get, really get close, it's, you know, it's, it's over. And now, but they can't take WikiLeaks down. And, and the way they, they talk about it in this uh, NPR interview is, uh, well, you know, uh, because we really have uh, an impeccable reputation. And that's the thing the government can't take down. Well, I'm just not buying it. I, I, I don't want to disparage anybody. Without any proof, but no, and we do like WikiLeaks. It's not yeah, as though there's we some don't. great stuff. Absolutely, yeah, great stuff. But it's just you know there is an element of screwiness to the fact that they can exist. Uh, I mean the the guy you know there are network analysts. I mean and the thing is this does have to go through the networks and the networks are you know people still think well you can't take down the internet. You know you shut down in the United States you shut down AT and T and Comcast You're and done. all the peering they You're do. Done. Yeah, you got nothing because there's not enough peering anymore. There's no, you know, nobody uses the May, the old fashioned internet that runs through May East and May West because it's too expensive. You had to pay for, 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 for a carriage through the peering. Big, uh, pipes. Peering, yeah. And so everybody's peered. They peered with all these different little guys. They did deals. I had a thing. I peer with you. You peer with me. And I, you know, it ends up getting out there. And then uh, when the big pipes start buying everything up, so there's not that many small ISPs anymore. There's probably, you know, there's still lots, but there's not as many as there used to be. And the, and the network's not designed like it was originally, where it was supposed to be bomb proof. 
Uh, I got to disagree with that. I mean, that's it. It's it, gone it, down a number of times. Yeah, portions of it, but the whole net never really goes down. It's just because of these. You know, it's it's to the end user that we have these huge. You know, like Comcast or Time Warner or AT and T. You know, it used to be all these little ISPs and. And, uh, well, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, sure, there's a remnant of the thing left if you took out those big guys. Say you take out the top 10 ISPs. Just take them out. Just yeah. tell them to shut yeah, down. Then we're or gone. Else. Then we're gone. Yeah, then we're gone. But that, well, so the United Kingdom is, uh, is uh, doing exactly that, except they're not doing it uh, through a technical manner, but they just uh, blasted through the uh, this bill – um, you know they're, they're they're gearing up for an election, and they had the digital economy bill, which I think we even talked about a couple of years ago, and it was up for um, comment in uh, in Gitmo Nation East. And uh, so, forty guys showed up <laughs> the other day. Forty of the six hundred and forty-six ministers of parliament, and uh, they passed the bill. It, what, ah. they, they must have locked the doors. Like, don't come in. We're busy here. <laughs> We've got the bandana on the door. Please go away. And so uh, this is the uh, uh, this is the bill that uh, allows the government to basically cut you off from the internet altogether. We don't. Let's not mess with the backbone. Let's just chop you off. And that, of course, if you are downloading copyrighted material, and there were huge advertisements in the newspapers from the creative industry, because that's what this is being billed as. The creative industry is losing jobs and money because of people stealing music and movies. The creative industry. What do we get out of London, England? What do we get? Harry Potter movies? <laughs> no, they're produced in the U.S., aren't they? No, I think they're produced... Uh, okay, well, we also UK. James Bond, I think, has got a... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't live without that. No, and we, and we need And we need more uh, pop idol crap from Simon Cowell. <laughs> so uh, they actually they'll send you a letter. Yeah, because then they're starving to death. These people. Yeah, they'll send the you a letter. The franchise that uh, the they're starving to death because of the um, piracy. Yeah, yeah, they got the they got no money. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so they've rammed this through. It is now law. And by the way, this is uh, something that happens uh, apparently quite often right before an election. They pass a whole bunch of stuff because it's the, it's the passing of the baton essentially. So we know that David Cameron will be the next prime minister of the United Kingdom, and he's ju- he's just the other side of the of the same team. You know, he's just he's on the caboose end now, and now he'll be pulled up front, and it's going to be exactly the same thing. Nothing will change, and they pass all these laws. Well, he's a better looking guy, <laughs> and they had to get Brown out because of the the gold scandal. They have to create some noise about that. So anyway, sorry about you, Gitmo Nation East. I I, I will do my uh, my appeal again to all sys admins and network admins of the world. We better start getting our mesh network plans together. We're going to need it because they are going to they are going to take it down. What do you think, John? I think we got five years, you and I. Well, you know, they gave Obama the, the you know, like, I guess they finally passed that thing where he can pull the plug on the whole thing in, in a national emergency. Oh, yeah. There should a- also be a health emergency, by the way, with the, based on the uh, treaties and the, uh, and the bill that just passed and all the rest of it. So if everybody needs to get a flu shot, for example, they can shut down the internet. Shut down the internet. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? You're not taking your flu shot? Oh, okay. Watch this, you fool. Hey, slave, take your flu shot or we're going we're gonna to unplug your iPad. Watch people go. Oh, no. 
Not the iPad. Also, uh, in the in the healthcare bill, right along those lines, uh, Section 203B of the healthcare bill states, All individuals classified as officers in the Reserve Corps under this section shall be deemed to be commissioned officers of the regular corps. And then in C2B, we have the Ready Reserve Corps shall be available and ready for involuntary calls to active duty during national emergencies and public health crises similar to the Uniformed Service Reserve personnel. So there's your, uh, there's your troops on the streets. Yeah, absolutely. We need troops on the streets. Something's yeah. got to be done. This, this, this unruly American public. <laughs> not, not taking their flu shot. <laughs> Which is, uh, I, I'm really loving the, uh, you know, now people are like, hey, this healthcare thing, that's not like, where, uh, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> where, where, it's not helping any and they're trying to explain it go to healthreform.gov this is this is fantastic so there's this website because people are calling up and saying hey where do I get my free health care <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are because they've been of misinformed they, they have, they've been completely misinformed in fact there's a great article and it's one of the only articles actually um, healthcare over, uh, healthreform.gov so I'll read this article while you're bringing that up. Uh, two weeks after President Barack Obama signed the big health care overhaul into law, Americans are struggling to understand how and when the sweeping measures will affect them. Questions reflecting confusion have flooded insurance companies, doctor's offices, human resource departments, and business groups. They're saying, quote, where do we get the free Obamacare? How do I sign up for that? And so uh, President Obama is out trying to explain it to everybody. And look at this website. Tell me anywhere on this website how anyone, and I'm reasonably intelligent. I don't get it. it it's not answering anything. It doesn't got- do anything. Well, I, if I, I'll, let me click on California because there's a big map. Ooh, a big map. Oh, with wait, yes. Highlights. I'm, and, I'm clicking and on the click map, on too. It. Okay. What click do we on have? California to get health insurance and reform. Under reform in California. It says uh, yeah. here's how you'll benefit, but it doesn't say sign up. Well, there's nothing to sign up for. And it doesn't say when. Of course, most of this doesn't kick in until 2014. Uh, The the first line, we had we done nothing by 2019, the number of uninsured people would have grown by more than 30 percent. All right. So I just want to sign up about. Do I click on about? No. The past. It tells me all the stuff that's coming, that's coming, that's coming. Timeline and events. Maybe uh, there. No. It's just it's completely you can't understand it. There is yeah. nowhere does it say if you are uh, 62. No, no, it's you just, just you, you, you made your point. It's useless. It's just totally useless. And it's a complete waste of money. It probably cost $8 million to implement this website. And now our friend, uh, Mr. Volker, Paul Volker, who uh, has pretty much become the, uh, the head honcho of the, uh, of the president's economic team. <laughs> He's saying, well, you know what? Uh, we may just have to raise taxes. <laughs> really, huh? I would have never expected that. Here, this is uh, from Reuters. Uh, Volker answering a question from the audience at a New York Historical Society event, which, by the way, these are great events to attend, said uh, value-added tax is not, a toxic, is not as toxic an idea as it has been in the past, 
Ah, uh, you know, and, we called value-added tax almost two years ago on yeah. the show. And also said a carbon or other energy-related tax may become necessary. Though he acknowledged that both are still... So no matter what the public thinks about anything, screw them. We're going to do this stuff that we're, the way we, we were trying to do it by going through the normal process, but everybody didn't like it. So we're just going to do it anyway. To quote Paul Volcker, if at the end of the day we need to raise taxes, we should raise taxes. There you go. Now they got the right man for the job. <laughs> it's crazy. Let's play some clips. Yeah, good. I'd like that. What you got? Well, uh, to go to, we're going to do some real news here. Oh, okay. And then uh, I'm a little slow on the ball, uh, John. So I thought you had that new controller, that giant iPad <laughs> button. And now, back to real news. So I have two two WTF uh, clips. The first one, uh, which says fist in it, uh, you should play because I'm I'm just turning around the channels and then I hear this suddenly and wonder what could it be? For the record, he was giving us those fist pumps back in the mid-90s when he was winning winning U.S. amateur tournaments uh, three in a row and he was still that youthful guy. I agree, Robert. uh, You know, I guess what would you play? Uh, Did you play Explain? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I fucked oh, up. He was giving us those fist pumps back in the mid-90s. Yeah, I know, uh, I, but I know mind. what it drop, is. Drop I know, it, I'm sorry. It, it, they came in the wrong order. I understand. It's about Tiger Woods. Yeah, well. This is the whole thing. This, is, this was the big thing about Tiger Woods is that he pumps his fist. And that was like a new thing on the golf course. He's pumping his fist. I'm sorry. Let's, and that's let's, bogus, too, by the way. The golfers have been doing stuff like that. They've been doing the, the usually the, the the more horizontal pump. A lot of them did that. The old yeah, pull. like boom, boom. And then you had Ballesteros who would uh, shove his putter like a sword into his uh, into his yeah. belt. I mean, this has right. been grandstanding going on forever, except... Yeah, because the game is so boring and stupid <laughs> that you got to do something to get a little exercise. <laughs> I mean, hey. in the olden days, when you walked the course, that was like, you got you got a day you're out on the on the links, you're walking around. Now they're in little carts, you know. No, and they, they, they walk. I was I was watching Woods doing his... Uh, his uh, his little speech there, and, it, and the guys had a lot of medical problems. Like towards Achilles' heel, like they have to re-inject plasma into his leg and his knee. I'm like, oh, this is a dangerous sport, this golf thing. <laughs> the way you put yourself all into it, apparently, you know, it's stressful. Yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. it was supposed to be good for you. So, <laughs> basketball's safer. It's, it's, really not, it's really not okay. So uh, I was noticing something interesting. I, I was I was looking for some clips, and I decided to go through all the uh, you know Access Hollywood extra extra yeah. and all the other shows. Yeah, my favorite. And I realized, and I got the teaser one up here. I realized that if you saw, anybody who should watch these shows, either Extra Access Hollywood, and there's two or three others. Um, there, the whole show is teasers. They never do oh, they, any yeah, of this no, stuff. They never actually show you anything. I know. <laughs> it's just all you play this teaser from Actors Hollywood Extra. She was there when Lindsay was in rehab. She's now engaged to Lindsay's father. What she revealed to us about low and family fallout. I can honestly say. Then. Oh, I've probably done it when I was that age. I could have afforded it and thought I needed it. Plastic Week continues with our Dolly Parton exclusive. I'd rather you think I had plastic surgery than to think I was a liar. Plus, our exclusive look at the same-sex marriage movie, Breaking Down Barriers. Tomorrow on Access Hollywood, now number one, Coast to Coast. 
All right, coming up next, we are out on a date with Tina Fey and Steve Carell. And later, the big plastic surgery revealed at least a gastinose procedure turned into a nightmare. I'm swollen. I'm not perfect. And today's AH Nation has Tiger and Jesse going head-to-head in alleged affairs. And you're sounding off. It's all coming up. Get social with your entertainment news. Check out the all-new Access Hollywood Gadget. No, 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 I got to hear the whole thing now. Do my grand? I, I need the full pain of it. It was like a two minutes, and it was just, it was teasing, and then the te- teasing, the teasing is unbelievable. There's no, they, and then when they do the little the little packages, they're they're like shorter than the teases are. It's hilarious. I know, and and, and now that uh, everyone's on recess, you know, even C-SPAN is boring. You know, the, the, except Ru- Rupert Murdoch was on uh, on C-SPAN last night in an interview that was kind of interesting. Big lion sack of shit. Um, but you know, there's really there's there's no news at all, and so it's all of this. And then CNN, they start out, you know, boom, Jesse James, boom, Tiger Woods, boom, Lindsay Lohan. It's like what, what, Just naming names, what, yeah. what? And now, you know, luckily, oh, and Joy Behar, you know, I I cooked a chicken the other night. Oh, and, Joy and Behar, one is of, the yeah, worst. No, I did one of these three hour chickens. I'm really getting into it, and I'm like a housefrau here, and I'm watching, uh, I'm watching HLN headline news, which apparently Joy Behar is headline news, and and and, and it's all about Jesse James being a Nazi. And it was weird just, because you know she, she's Jewish, and, and you know, and so it's a very uncomfortable conversation. Where they move from the guys collecting Nazi regalia to um, he's a Nazi. And it's just like, wow, man, this is really deep stuff that's happening here. This is really not okay. So we have a guy covered with tattoos who's a motorcycle character, and he uh, is a Nazi. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. But he's not a Nazi. That's bullshit. Oh, I know. He must be. <laughs> but he's not, he's not a Nazi. This is, it's just like, ah. Uh, uh. I guess I won't, I guess I've done the tech hippie and the, uh, and the uh, and tech route. I'm not going to do the tech Nazi. Tech Nazi is exactly what you need to do. <laughs> you will buy the iPad. Yes, no, it will happen immediately. You will do exactly as I say. And then last night, newsflash. Oh, Anderson, Vanderbilt, Cooper. Oh, stop. Oh, we have a shoe bomber. Yeah, it's a classic. What? Talk about an out of control story. You know, well, there's a lot of things to this story that uh, I found interesting. One, it is a diplomat from Qatar, uh, which is kind Qatar of in Qatar or Qatar. Yeah, I, I like to say Qatar, but I guess it's Qatar. Um, so first of all, he has diplomatic immunity, so he can basically do anything he wants. Okay, now. What do we? What have we learned from the story? We've learned that there was an air marshal on board. If it's true, so that's interesting little messaging right there. We have air marshals who jump on this guy. Uh, he was probably, you know, he probably took a huge shit in the toilet and did, lit a match. That's probably what happened. He was like, "Ooh, I don't want it to smell up the plane." And then I said, "Oh, he's lighting his shoe on fire." But he was also on a flight from D.C. to Denver, which, as we know, is the new. Uh, New World Order headquarters. Uh, the CIA has their new big, uh, beautiful offices there, and there's all kinds of uh, interesting government buildings popping out of nowhere. So I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff in this story. 
Um, and I immediately start scanning the channels for what is something's happening somewhere else. We got we got to find it. Where is it? Because you know something else is going on when they do this. John? Yeah, what'd you find? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> I found, no, I, I'm sorry. There's nothing. I found nothing. Huh. Well, they must have been really buried. I was a little bit pissed off, although in a weird way is is wrong of me to be to be, to be pissed off because I wanted to say on this very show, and people may not believe it, but I wanted to say next earthquake Indonesia. And lo and behold, we get an earthquake in Indonesia two days yeah, before the show. Yeah, but what was show. your rationale? Oh, oh, dude. Well, first of all, oh, there's... Dude. Dude. Dude, dude, dude. China. Indonesia and China. There's like, they are so in bed together. And this was one of the main reasons Obama... Remember, he was supposed to go to Indonesia on vacation. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I can't go because we've got to pass the health care bill, which is bull, of course. So he didn't go because they were probably, someone had their finger on the switch. Like, oh, you might not want to go right now. Um, but he was supposed to go to say, hey, could you please stop uh, messing around with China so much? You're supposed to be with us. Now, also, he was probably really pissed off they moved uh, that statue of his. You know, they put up a statue of Obama as a kid, as a boy. And uh, they moved it out of a public place into like a schoolyard or something. Where did they put it? What, were the kids uh, peeing on it or something? What were they doing? I don't know. Birds? Uh, I don't know. And maybe they, you know, there's also this little sidetrack of maybe he'd like to tell them, hey, you better shut up about me being, uh, not being American. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that be could quiet. be that. No, but the big thing is China. Um, Indonesia is, uh, has increased its uh, trade and also uh, its defense ties with uh Indonesia and China, uh, Indonesia's increased it with China. So we have um, the special forces, Papasas. And I have all these links, by the way, in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, they've got all kinds of strategic partnerships. It's China. And this was exactly the same thing with Chile. It's yeah, China. They were, yeah, it's China. I'm telling you. There's, there's a, there's a, you, know, the, you know, they speak of the great game. Right? The great game and all the big players are in it. And it's Russia, America, and China. This is what's going on with all the stands. Well, by the way, Kyrgyzstan. Is it Kyrgyzstan? So no one can pronounce these. That's why it's never in the news. It's Kyrgyzstan. Uh, <coughs> Russia is now going in there and, and you know, there's, there's blood all over the streets in Kyrgyzstan because they don't want China to grab hold of them. And America, of course, really controls all of these stands with all the color revolutions. So the only one America really still controls is Georgia. And it's because of all the oil pipelines and all of the, the resources. And China is bad news right now for us. Not that I care. Well, you should care. You should care deeply. I don't care. I really don't. They're already, we already know that they're infiltrating us. You just don't see them. Okay. Um... I guess the earthquake, so it's anticlimactic, the earthquake, since you didn't make the prediction in time. Well, uh, I'm going to make another prediction on Sunday. So, yeah, in a, in a way, it's, uh, it's anticlimactic. Right. The, fun, the funniest thing was that Deepak Chopra uh, claimed credit for the earthquake. What? Yeah. I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, he Twittered, 
Uh, hold on, I'm bringing up his Twitter right now. <laughs> he says, uh, where is it? Mm, hold on. He's, uh, I think he is Deepak Chopra on Twitter. Here it is. Had a powerful meditation just now. Caused an earthquake in Southern California. And then, uh, so that was the one in Baja. And then was meditating on Shiva mantra and earth began to shake. Sorry about that. Yeah, this is not Deepak Chopra. I don't even think he can use a computer. And I think it is. I think he's uh, verified. Uh, it's he's not ver verified. It's a verified Twitter. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> so, uh, I think he's a weird character anyway. He doesn't believe anybody actually exists. Uh, he's... So uh, before we get to the one hour mark, uh, I got a, I got some bank stuff. There was an interesting piece that was done um, on PBS on the News Hour, which is underwritten by everybody and their sister. And it was about a trend going on around the country. And I think they're trying to kill the trend about how community banks, smaller little banks like the ones we use. Yeah. Uh, exclusively, as a matter of fact. Yes, in fact, uh, um, I, I, if I need to bank, I need to go to San Francisco because that bank is not represented in Southern California. Right. But I will you tell you, I find a similar bank down there. But, you know, but I like them and I call them up and they know me by name. They'll do anything over the phone for me. It's like, oh, you know, they call me up, say, hey, your daughter, because of course my daughter, I, I open an account for her there. She's overdrawn, you know, <laughs> but, but they're really nice. You, and they call you up about stuff. They just, they, they give a shit about me and they didn't and the take any thing, tarp money. And they, you know, they brag about not taking tarp money. They, uh, the funny thing is the, one of the things I like about them is that I can use my ATM card anywhere. And when it says at the end of, you know, I go to Wells Fargo, put the card and take out a couple hundred dollars and it says for this Process yeah, you have three dollars. Dollars. Yeah. Do you do you accept the fee? You because hit yes. We're, yeah, we're using so much energy on this transaction. And by the way, they should be giving you three dollars because the whole idea of ATMs was to save them money on tellers. Yeah. Those those guys. The, anyone who charges you, if your bank is charging you ten cents, or or anybody else ten cents to to uh, do a, one of these transactions with a teller, you're getting ripped off. Anyway, so the so the bank we use, which I'm going to tell you who they are, uh, it's the, and because they are in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I recommend them. It's the Mechanics Bank. They've been around since the twenties. Yeah, and, they're, they're basically uh, the bootleggers used them. Well, somebody did. <laughs> we don't there know that for sure. One of the, yeah, they're actually where they're looking. It's possible. But anyway, they, they give you the, they, they, the mechanics bank has a, you know, they, I guess all these banks, they don't have to, you know, accept the charge. And so they pull those charges off. Yeah. They, they so don't pay the $3. I say, yeah, sure. Here's your $3. And then never, they never get paid the $3. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so community but, banks, good idea, which I think it is a good idea, you know, because, it makes sense to have a small bank in your community who uh, you can go to. By the way, they're always saying, if you need a loan, we really can give you a loan. You know, if you, you guys need a business loan for no agenda, I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not a good idea. We're not very credit worthy. But they'll give it to us if we wanted it. We probably could get a business loan. Now, so let's play the community bank one long, which is the, uh, uh, is, 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 I'm, you don't have to play the whole thing or break it up a little bit, but they, they're doing a story on this bank out in the middle of, it's in the East Coast someplace, uh, 
I can't think of the name offhand, but they mentioned it over and over again. And then they try to, and the guy who's doing the report is incredulous that these, this bank is so involved in the community that they know who their customers are and that they have all these goods and services. And so they go through there. So the guy to, to counterbalance the, uh, the report, he, talks to the head of Mellon Bank in New York, who's a big bank, and then the big bank guy, who's just a stooge, goes on and on about how much more you get from the big bank and how better the service is. By the way, the big banks screw you. They screw the customer. Their services are no good. They charge you for every little thing they can. The prices aren't right. They're overpriced. It's a ripoff, but listen to this character. Most of our employees work and live here in the community, so their families can um, take part and use this as well. It was getting a little sweet for a jaded journalist, but fortunately I moved... What? Hold on a second. This is the PBS McNeil... What is it? McLear it News... Used to be the, it's the, just the news hour. It's not it used to be the McNeil Air Report. Okay, now it's just the news hour. And he says it's getting sweet. In other words, there are so many people complimenting this guy in his bank. Yeah, he's throwing up. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm so sick of this. I, I'm supposed to be shilling. What's wrong? Move in various circles. So I asked a really big banker, why shouldn't I move my money? If you think you can get other products and services that are superior to a large bank, then go for it. Robert and, Kelly, uh, CEO of like Bank of New York Mellon, who suggests thinking back just 25 years. We had 20,000 banks in this country. Now we have 8,000 banks, and my guess is 10 years from now we'll have 5,000 banks or 4,000 banks. It's good to have lots of competition, but the reality also is is that bigger banks offer generally better products and services at generally really competitive prices. Yeah, I just got to stop for a second because what happened 25 years ago is there was a regulation change where banks, these small banks, you had a bank everywhere, were allowed to do interstate commerce. And this was before the Internet, really, before you know, it was prevalent. And you know, if you needed to send your kids some money in college, it was very difficult. And the reason why people jumped on board of these banks, of these big national banks, is so you could do that. It was like the interstate commerce aspect, because now we take it for granted how easy it is to PayPal someone some money, etc., or just get them some cash. Uh, this was probably you know, right. West, now, Western Union was all you had. Back no, the, in the big, day. the big, big banks felt. Here's the, the, the real. That wasn't the reason they did this, of course, because that's Nickel. No, and but Dimes. that's the reason. That's the reason why big banks became popular for the common man. I believe. Well, it's possible, but I mean, I don't know. But that, the thing is, the big, big banks, uh, Citibank and all these Bank of America, in particular, a couple of big whoppers, they were kicking ass all over the world, but they foresaw the day when the big giant, like the National Bank of Germany and all these big giant, huge banks that were bigger than they were, were going to you know, beat them in the international commerce and the economic hitman stuff. <laughs> so they said, Look, we got, well, this is bull that we, can, we can't only have branches in California, said the Bank of America which was a California-based bank. We would want branches. Why can't we have a branch in Nevada? It's right next door. And so they passed this law saying, okay, you can." Have, this is one of the things that caused this recent depression, by the way. Uh, they said, okay, you guys can have bank. You can do whatever you want. So they would, what, instead of actually opening branches elsewhere, they just started buying up these little banks like crazy you know, with offers they couldn't refuse. Right. And they got too big to fail. And so now that's the reason the thing's consolidated. It wouldn't have, obviously, if the uh, government hadn't changed these regulations. And there was a good reason 
and for and the reason is what you just saw with the economy collapsing for not having banks all over the place you know national banks competing with each other because it's going to be just like it's just like uh, AT&T once you let them give them free reign they start buying up all the little companies and there's just one big giant company and the way the banks are going to go this guy's at dead on it's going to be less and less and less of these little banks as they all get bought out or, or squeezed I mean the mechanics bank that we're talking about here in California I've talked to them about it you guys when are you going to sell out like everybody else no, they say they never will never will but they can be squeezed out and that's what happens when these other banks get really big but the fact that this guy's just lying to through his teeth about the better goods and services and competitive prices is just enough to make your just take all your money out of these big banks John C. Dvorak's pet peeve of the day Back to the and the longer term trend will be fewer smaller banks in the nation for that reason. And as Nobel laureate economist Paul Krugman reminded us recently, small is not necessarily beautiful. It's possible to have a banking crisis even without too big to fail. You can, you know, it was a lot of small banks that collapsed the financial system in the 1930s. Indeed, 140 banks failed in the past year, with another 702 just added to the FDIC's problem list. Moreover, says Robert Kelly, We also have a gigantic economy, which you can't run with a lot of really small banks. You need big, successful, sophisticated, profitable banks. But the Village Bank is profitable. What? Yeah, <laughs> profitable. Where's that part of it? <laughs> profitable. <laughs> I do want to mention that the FDIC now is trying to convince pension funds, right? So the people who hold your pension money to invest in uh, in new financial products that will be made available to the government to bail out banks that fail. Just so you know, screw your pension. You ain't ever going to get it. It's gone. Kiss it goodbye. It's a $600 million business, says CEO Brennan, big enough to offer almost anything I'd need. Size does matter, but you don't need to be a large institution in order to be this successful. This is the head of the community bank. Oh, okay, good. As a, as a financial institution today. How often do you use your ATM? Are you a local ATM user? Do you travel a lot? Yeah, I use my ATM a lot and I travel a lot. No problem, says the Village Bank's Claire Messina. Yes, but how about new technology? At my big bank, I can deposit a check and it takes a picture of the check and then gives me the deposit slip with the picture. So I feel as if I've... Hey, I get the same thing from Mechanics Bank. They got pictures of my checks on uh, on their website. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, apparently Village Bank doesn't, so he's got he's got leverage oh, on it. But who cares? I don't need a picture of my check anyway. We can stop playing this clip and go to the the kicker, which is his wrap up of the whole idea of taking your money out of a big bank and giving it to a little bank where it's where you get where you get customer service and better services and all the rest of it. And the way he does it, he he kind of he kicks sand on the idea at the very end by saying eh, it's kind of a nostalgic thing. And then they go to the then then Lair comes out and Lair gives it to you with the with the real reason that this piece ran in the first place and this is the reason we ask people for donations but play it do you bank at the village bank also yeah and you guys do too as well yes. for over 40 years this is beginning to seem like a complete put up job <laughs> no I mean really it's this is like ridiculous uh, you know I, I, nobody's going to believe this watching this on camera what you don't believe? Wait, no one's going to believe this, that people love their community bank? Apparently. 
Okay. No, I believe in my eye, but literally everywhere we go, isn't it? I mean, are these ringers? What have you done here? No, no, no ringers. These are just our, our customers. And so that's the case for moving your money to a community bank. The case against? That it's a futile, if feel-good effort to turn back the clock. Okay, so he's saying that these community banks are a futile effort. It's all nostalgia. You just want to turn back the clock. You're not participating in progress. Progress moving forward in America. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Okay, let's uh, continue. We'll see. Uh, We'll see. We'll see, slaves. For the record, one of the banks Paul mentioned in his report, Bank of America, is a NewsHour underwriter. <laughs> well, at least they're honest about it. Yeah, yeah, they felt they had to. It was the report was just uh, they couldn't do it without saying that. Oh my! They would have getting called out if that All happened. Right, but they so, get called out anyway. It's bogus. There you go. There you go. So Bank of America underwrites this show, and they do a show where they, where they can't believe that this is. This backwards, this completely antiquated, nostalgic idea of community banks. Oh, that's so wrong. You need to go with Bank of America because they're our underwriter. You're right, John. This I'm so happy you brought this up. This is exactly why we don't have commercials. Now, we do believe in value for value. And we need to get paid for doing the show. We spend a lot of time doing it. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm not really, you know, I think we've gotten to a point where you know, people are saying, oh, I'll do your website. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate everyone trying to hook us up and help us out. No, we would, we need support in the form of money because that's what we need to pay bills with. Okay, here we go. We do have some, we do get some support this week and I want to name some names. Uh, Stephen Schnabel from Gosport, Hampshire, UK, uh, gave us 111.11. Now I believe and we. He, uh, he says he's given it in, in recognition of the fine work contributed by Jeff Smith. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I think we skipped uh, Matthew Wittering on. Uh, uh, Matthew Wittering is next on my list. Yeah, he's and a- it was from last. It was from last week. Somehow got dropped. Matthew Wittering, who gave us fifty dollars last week. Can I just uh, and- give you a quick? Li- he sent me a little side note. Oh, okay. Uh, beautiful day here in Gitmo Nation East. Uh, the general election has been called. An air of optimism across Great Britain this morning. I received a phone call from London South Bank University coming back to me about a job I apply- applied for in late February, early March, and offered me an interview for later this month. On Saturday, I'd actually donated $50 to the Fund for Hookers and Blow, which I believe has realigned my karma and created this opportunity for me to interview for a real job. So he's uh, part of the Karma Club, which... Uh, wow, we should... We should ah, Karma Club. Karma Club, yeah. We got to put a, together a list of people in the Karma Club, because there's Club. tons. Excellent. So, Matthew, sorry for uh, skipping you, and thank you for your $50 donation. It really Rory Buzka, B-U-S-Z-K-A, which has to be pronounced Buzka. Uh, he yeah. says he wants to donate just to see if I can butcher his name. I'm glad I have that <laughs> reputation now. He's from Carmel, Indiana. And yeah. he gave 77.70. And he's uh, donating because he thought it would be funny to hear me butcher the name, blah, blah, blah. He wants to call it his friend Zach Brown as a douchebag. Douchebag. Uh-huh. Because he turned to me onto the show, but, has, but to my knowledge, has not donated. And the significance of the number, 777, is uh, religious. Uh, he says if the Antichrist prophecy, the number 666 of Revelation, comes to 
power during my lifetime, <laughs> you guys will probably have something men- some mention of it. So the Jewish numbering system 777 is symbolic of the Trinity. Anyway, thanks for the good show. He Thank does. you. Thank you, Rory. Uh, John Snyder, Chicago, uh, $58. Dollars and giving me a happy birthday. Wow, one dollar for each uh, each year of your uh, oh, age. Who, who would have guessed it? <laughs> oh, Rick, by the way, and thank you very much. Fifty eight dollars. Anyone who gets fifty eight dollars next week, uh, I'll give them a special call out. Uh, <laughs> oh, Rich. S C H A G E R L. Shagirl. He's from Vienna. Ulrich. It'll be Ulrich. 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 Shag- Shag- is it an I or an L? Shagirl. Well, it's, it's the way it's on the PayPal thing is S-C-H. Ulrich. S-C-H-A-G-E-R-L. Yeah, Shagirl. Shagirl. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Yeah, for real. 5510, two nickels on the dime. He's now a member of the uh, militia. Not the militia, the Minutemen. Gordon Walton, uh, Austin, Texas, 5510. Can I just say something about the Minutemen? Because uh, Minuteman Tom did want to remind everyone who was donating double nickels on the dime. That's $55.10. There are some duties that need to be carried out. There's a responsibility that comes with that type of support. Here they are. Uh, Carrying the knight's armor, shield, and sword. Dressing the knight in his armor, replacing the knight's sword if it is broken or dropped, accompanying a knight during time of war to the battlefield, holding any prisoner the knight might take, protecting the knight when needed, rescuing the knight should the knight be taken prisoner, ensuring an honorable burial of the knight in the event of his death or two to the head, ensuring the knight's hookers and blow are in good order, Carrying the knight's blow for him through airport security, for example. Who wrote this? <laughs> Minuteman Tom. He's on the ball. <laughs> and he's so right. You must carry for your knight. Exactly. <laughs> carry the blow. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, those things you have to do. So you think about that when you get 55. Yeah, don't you, don't you just, just be cavalier and donate, okay? It's a, it's a big responsibility. Yeah, otherwise, just give us a you know a random number. Yeah. Uh, Ruben Zhang. Z-H-A-N-G is in Canberra, out there in the middle of nowhere, Australia, 5510, and uh, encourages us to do three shows a week. And these, the rest of these people gave us uh, 5510, which includes Aaron Spears, Ro- Robley Lejeune, Lejeune from Baton Rouge. Hold on, I think uh, we Aaron- have something for uh, Aaron Spears here. I see uh, a double nickel. Yeah, no, I'm going to get to that. Okay. And then Scott Boulin in Monroe, Michigan, and Aaron uh, Spears in Brook Park, Ohio, is uh, wishing a happy birthday donation, which, of course, we've encouraged. Oh, hold on a second, John. It's your birthday, birthday. This is a... What? That's it. Keep going. I should wait for the whole... Okay, so it's Aaron Spears donating double nickels on the dime, wishing a very happy birthday to his amazing wife, Kelly, on her 30th birthday, and also a plug for the World of Cinema podcast, worldofcinema.com. So, uh, is that all it takes to get a birthday mention, is double nickels on the dime? Well, until we change it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Kelly, happy birthday from your hubby, Aaron Spears. How professional was that? How what? How professional was that? Oh, uh, we, we, we were borderline <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> All right.
We have so that's our group. And we also, a lot of people gave us smaller amounts of money and, and anonymously, and we thank everybody. And by the way, go to noagendashow.com and dvorak.org slash NA. And if you want to donate directly to the stream, which is a separate uh, donation, go to uh, uh, dvorak.org slash NAS and uh, donate there. Also, uh, if you can't get to the uh, donation page, go to channeldvorak.com slash NA. Uh, We need your help. We need it. Yeah, we, we do. No, we do. We do. And time flies, and so does the money. Well, just the amount of work that we're doing for these two shows. I mean, I can't imagine doing a third show at this point in time without actually having to give up all my other work. I just can't. I don't see how we can do it. Yeah, no, there's too much time. It's a time-consuming process. I, I basically lose Wednesday doing this show. Yeah, all of Wednesday is gone. Well, and Saturday. Yeah, Saturday gets kind of wasted. I think that that's why I think our Thursday show usually has more interesting stuff because we have an extra day to work on it. Um, and back to interesting stuff. Yeah, well, the Gulf of Aden, which I believe, isn't that down there by Yemen? I don't want to. Yeah, that's exactly where it is. Okay. So, uh, bye, darling. Uh, this is, this is uh, I'm getting a lot of reports, and it seems to be that uh, over the past seven days, is extra activity going on in that area, which uh, is a part of what is known as the Delta Quadrant. There are tons of naval vessels basically circling around, and I know you're going to laugh at me, but what we are calling the Stargate Aiden. No, not what we are. What do you mean we? You got a mouse in your pocket? (laughs) Yeah, I do. 300 naval vessels have been circling around this uh, this, area. Stargate, which is the bottom of the of the sea, there, it's about seven miles down, and there's a, and and from the reports that I'm getting, is there are these huge cigar-like ships that are coming out of the Stargate, going up into the <laughs> Delta. No, listen, but they have to decloak at a certain point as they come out of the Stargate, so they're visible. They're actually visible. And I'm pretty sure that we can get some. Uh, this? Well, no, I'm I'm hoping that we can get some Minutemen down there so they can go uh, go take a look. Some but Minutemen in Yemen. It is undeniable. No, and I'm thinking though. But you remember all these weird uh, radar images we were talking about on Sunday? These circles. Now they're but you know you, you can actually see circles of. You mean ice. the interference in the photo from the bad sensor? Well, the bad. I, no, okay, you call it that, but uh, I have pictures, uh, satellite pictures of uh of the arctic region and there are actually rings of the ice melted that are exactly the same type of circles so i'm thinking that that maybe these stargates are activating and stuff is opening up and what uh what some believe is that uh, they're putting some kind of force field or i don't i'm not too big on that one but they're going to put some kind of uh 5d crystalline electromagnetic shield firmament around the planet with a force field that will make aggressive use of weapons. Well, you impossible. know, the melting of the, uh, the, the what you just described, maybe. Let's go, let's take this to a, a little bit beyond. Okay, let me bring up the, let me bring up all these Maybe, well, wait, maybe this is the whole reason to halt global warming because it's only been the coldness of the earth that has kept these guys frozen under there. <laughs> It's, and and obviously Gore is an alien if you ever looked at him. You know, Time Magazine published this uh, scare story about uh, 
melting Arctic seas. At the same time, the same day on Saturday, we have all these reports about Arctic ice dramatically increasing. <laughs> it's like, can't they get their story straight? Or they at least get the order straight. So, uh, I, but I'm, I want, I really, there's a lot of interesting. Well, you keep an eye on this, Adam. Keep a close eye on I that. I am Delta keeping an eye on the Stargate. You can laugh at me. You can laugh yeah. at me. I don't mind. I have, I have some belief. Yeah. No, I think it's fine. You might well play the I love you clip then. Oh, okay. I love you. What's that? <laughs> what is that? I, that? I might as well put that in the jingle machine. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. We got to play them together. I love you. You can take that to the bank. <laughs> okay. Hey, there you go. Nice. Uh, he was at a, he was giving a speech at one of these colleges. You know, he's managed to. There's a couple of good stories in the in some of the uh, uh, more obscure right wing uh, libertarian magazines and newspapers. I've got one around here somewhere. Let me find it. There it is. I wonder. By the way, if anybody wants to donate something, they can donate. A, I think anyone who reads this thing called the Rock, the Rock Creek Free Press. Do you get it? No. I'm surprised. What is it? It's a. Uh, it seems to be something. There's a. There's a kind of a, a character named Wayne Masden who's floating around. Who who's kind of like uh, uh, Alex Jones. It's kind of like an Alex Jones, Wayne Masden. These guys, mm-hmm. and they they just put together. They just collect from. It looks like from the internet these weird stories, and they uh, they uh, post them as, as as news articles. And this one here is the one that got my attention, which is the White House press corps forbidden to ask certain questions, and then it outlines the questions. We had already talked about this, had, or is this yeah. a new one? Well, this has got a little more. It's got a little more detail, uh, but it's you know the questions about Occidental College and when he was you know apparently working for these weird schools and they can't ask about his record at Occidental College. They can't talk right. about him. The, you know the, a bunch of stuff. Anyways, a long list. But this newspaper, which is called the Rock Creek Free Press, ha- takes ads, and I think they should put an advertisement for our show in there. That would be perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it's the kind of characters that, you know, would probably like what we have to say. So anyway, the, um, yeah, the I love you thing is part of Obama's, Obama's not going to, he hasn't done a press conference for something like nine months. And it doesn't look like he's going to do any because he, what he likes to do is go to these colleges and schools where everybody loves him. And he gives speeches and then the speeches get covered as news. And (laughs) this one where the I love you thing came from, he went back to one of his schools that he's visited before and he had nothing but fans there and some girl in the audience, out of the blue, in the middle of his speech, yells out, I love you, Obama! Oh, he's like at a rock concert. I get I it. I love you! Yeah, I get it. Well, you know, there's... It seems to be heating up uh, uh, Obama's background. There was a report here in The Examiner. As investigators delve further into the background of Barack Obama, disturbing pictures emerging of a man who is not who he claims to be. And this is no, not... No, it, it, it keeps looking like a CIA plant. Well, here... Yeah, well, totally. I mean, he, he actually worked for uh, a CIA company. Uh, according to a special report issued by The Blogging Professor, who is a Chicago Law School faculty member, or ex-faculty member, he says that the Chicago, the Chicago Law School faculty hated Obama. In this report, it says Obama was unqualified, 
He was never a, quote, constitutional professor and scholar, never served as editor of the Harvard Law Review while a student at the school. Uh, he was, um, quote, merely an instructor, not a professor. So, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's just poorly vetted. Uh, and here it is. This was... Uh, 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 I spent some time with the highest tenured faculty member of Chicago Law a few months back. He did not have many nice things to say about Barry. Obama applied for a position as an adjunct, wasn't even considered. A few weeks later, the law school got a phone call from the Board of Trustees telling them to find him an office, put him on the payroll, and give him a class to teach. So, yeah, he's, it, it seems... <laughs> dare that I sounds say, fairly... Uh, yeah, dare I say Manchurian candidate... Well, well, yeah. Except for that, he's not not on the Manchurian side of the equation. Um, he's a you know uh, he may be an agent or was an agent or could have been or had something to do or a contractor or who knows what because we'll never find out from this with or with, with the CIA or the NSA or who knows who. But the fact of the matter is, this is there's a lot of suspicious activity, and that's one of the reasons they have this laundry list of things you can't ask in front of the uh, at, at a press conference. And now they're just not even doing them anymore. They just say, "Screw that! Why would we even do these stupid press conferences? We do the little radio speech. We put him in front of adoring college kids who just think he's the greatest thing ever. They don't have jobs anyway, and then um, just let it go, let it slide. We'll get him through this, and then he'll get reelected, which he will, by the way, no matter what anybody thinks. Really, you think so? Oh, pfft. it's a no-brainer. Here, play Hannity with Bachman and Palin, and this is the where the this is the direction the Democrats are going. And then I want to take this further with uh, some John Dean material. It's true, and I think the other thing that we're seeing is that the American people no longer blindly trust their politicians. That's now. This was um, uh, Michelle Bachman. She wants to get reelected uh, for the Senate. No, no, she's a congresswoman. Uh, uh, for Congress, and uh, Sarah Palin is on the road with her. And, you no, know, this is actually a Hannity thing. But, but they, were, Hannity. they were out on the road together this week. Yeah, they were out on the road, and the Hannity brought them in front of this huge, adoring audience, and he asked a oh, few okay. poignant questions, and then it, it, it turns into a, just a joke. The funny thing I want to mention about this is the two of them, the body language is like, whoa, Bachman is like, like lesbian? Like hot? No, no. Oh. Bachman is like angled away from Palin <laughs> yeah. in a huge manner. She's leaning against her on the oh, on yeah. her elbow like, on the other side of Palin. She's leaning away <laughs> from Palin. Like, it is like oh, so obvious that she yeah. does not like Palin. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's funny how they uh, how they don't you can't, work see, on that. It happens to everybody. You, you know, yeah. it happens accidentally. I have a couple of photos of myself with people. <laughs> we see. Yeah, I, I, see I, I see it on Cranky Geeks all the time. You and Sebastian Rupley. Couldn't be further apart. Okay, here we go. A very good thing, because they found out they've been had by the politicians they elected, and they're saying, no dice, buddy, we're taking our country back. And that's why this is so exciting, because we are. Well, listen, uh, what do you think? I want to ask this last question for both of them, and I want your reaction in the crowd. Are either one of you considering a run for the presidency in 2012? Before I 
get their answers. How many of you would like to see a Palin Bachman ticket? Are you thinking about a run again? As I have said, I'm not going to close any doors that perhaps would be open. Michelle and I both, we have strong faith that... I'm telling you, this would be the lesbian ticket. I'd love it. (laughs) I'd love it. I'd love it. I would just... Imagine the porn movies we could make as spinoffs, as uh, as joke (laughs) porn movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We... Fighting as hard as we can for our country and supporting those who share our values, share our principles, and at the same time, putting our lives in God's hands and asking Him for direction. I want to thank Governor Palin. Uh, I can't take it anymore. You got to let it go. For breaking the barrier by being a woman as the vice president on the ticket. She did a wonderful job, I think, as the vice president. She lost. (laughs) Good job losing. (laughs) The world is her oyster. If she wants to run, I think that she has tremendous uh, support from the American people. All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to both of you. Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, Governor Palin, thank you both for being here. By the way, he's rumored to be considering a run for the White House in 2012. After the break, the governor of the great state of Minnesota, Tim Pawlenty, joins us next. All right. So let me just say one thing. Before we forget, the Republican Party and Democratic Party are run by the same people. They're run by probably by the big banks and wealthy families. So if you're about to say that it's and I do agree with you now, now that I've heard this. Because this is going to be possibly the Republican ticket. Well, of course. Of course Obama will be reelected. Of course. These women have no chance. Well, Bachman, by the way, refused to endorse, uh, if you listen carefully, if you deconstructed her. Oh, boy. Okay. I think we're back now. Damn. You know, the minute you come out with some... Some real information like, hey, just so you know, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are run by the same people and this is a big game and it's a big show. Then they they yank the stream. They always do that. <laughs> I hate that. Well, let me finish this little commentary and then we'll, we do it. We, there's a few people on our uh, thank you list that we have to name. Yeah, we had a couple of night layaways that we just have to. Yeah, actually, let me into. let's No, let me finish what I was saying. Okay. First of all, the uh, Bachman is not never said. If you deconstruct what she said, she never said that she thinks Palin would be a good president. She ne- she said the public likes her. She never said she was gonna. She'd like to be a vice president. She's out of this. She doesn't like Palin, and that's gonna show up eventually. But then they bring out this Tim Pawlenty, who by the who they the Republicans think is a presidential caliber guy. The guy, and I'm just gonna be as blunt as I can. The guy looks stupid. And he sounds stupid. He was the guy that did the uh, uh, the rebuttal to the the State of the Union, right? No, that was Bobby Jindal. Unless he no, unless, no, no, no. The, the oh, Palenti, well, Bobby Jindal did it once, and he's like a dummy no, too. He, no, he, uh, Palenti did it the last time. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch that. But he, I, I just, I, he's just the guy's no good. Anyway, so let's uh, mention a couple more people we forgot under the. Because of the, like, my fault, I cut it off in the wrong spot. It's okay. uh, but we got Philip Gray uh, from Bell Rose, uh, New South Wales, who uh, says hello. 
And he's, uh, what's he say? The Great Wall of Oz goes live uh, to block no agenda for our own safety. Expects that to happen sometime soon, and it probably will. Tristan Lennon, of course, uh, and Travis Wynn, Mike Westerfield, and uh, Lisa Lang have all been putting away money for the knighthood layaway. And then finally, Anastasia Treckles uh, from Highland, Indiana. Um, some of the first proceeds plus a few bucks from my recently released Kindle book, Putting People First, Human Issues in Instructional Technology, which sounds actually like a, the kind of book I would read. Sounds like a good book. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look for the Kindle book, Putting People First, Human Issues in Instructional Technology. Anyway, that's uh, – sorry about that. Okay. Now um, – I have an interlude. Unless you, you, unless you want to continue on, uh, well, I wanted to go and maybe boring talk. candidates who are boring and just boring, and if they're yeah, not well, tongue kissing point, each other, I, I'm not caring. I think the point I made that uh, the Republicans are not going to beat Obama. In tw- I mean, they talk a big game. I don't even know if they're going to do that well in this election coming up. To be honest about it, even though you listen to Limbaugh, you listen to Hannity. Oh, we're taking the country back. We're going to do this. They're big talkers, and of course, you know, talk no action. And right now, I think what they've done is they've helped destroy the Republican Party by making the Republican Party a checklist party. In other words, it's like you know that you have to follow these. You have to. Be, you have to go down a checklist of things. You have to be against, uh, uh, you know, you have to be against abortion. You got to be against this. You got to have. You can't. You got to be for this, for that. There's a million things. A little checklist. If you don't check them all off, you're not a Republican. You're not a conservative. You're a rhino, and you shouldn't <laughs> even be allowed to live. And this kind of thing is is killing the party. So, there, so yes. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. I have to go kill this phone call. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, no one cares about the show. Okay, so uh, I have a little clip here from uh, the United States of Europe from Starfleet Command, where our good friend uh, Nigel Farage once again lays into Haiku Herman. If you don't know who Haiku Herman is, he is the president of the United States of Europe, and uh, Nigel Farage is from the UK Independent Party, and he likes to cause... Some crap. You won't see this reported on mainstream television. We, of course. This is not the same thing reported on last freedom week. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not the same thing reported on last week with the haiku thing. No, 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 no. This is mm-hmm. uh, no. This is Nigel Farage laying in. This is from uh, yesterday. Okay. In uh, Brussels. Europe of freedom and democracy. Next, President Nigel Farage. We're in the presence of a great man today, the President of Europe, a man who is so important, he is beyond criticism, beyond reproach, he is the king of the modern political class, he is the modern-day Zeus, and he intends to rule us from Mount Berlimont, and woe betide anybody that questions his authority, or questions his dignity, or they will face severe punishment. Indeed, in my case, uh, the last time we met, um, and I had one or two things to say, uh, the Parliament imposed the maximum possible fine. And I'm told that if I say anything that upsets you, the microphone will be cut off. Well, what price free speech? What price democracy? But you've come back to us today, And now, with the approval of Mr. Sarkozy and Angela Merkel, you're the head of a new economic government for 500 million people. And you've launched your 10-year plan, your wish list. And I just wonder, have you remembered what happened to the last 10-year plan that was launched in 2000? 
It was, it was launched in this Parliament to much acclaim. It was a total and utter crippling failure, even before the global recession hit. And in fact, all centralised EU plans fail. Just look at the disastrous, ruinous common fisheries policy. And now your beloved euro has failed. It's failed politically at its first major hurdle. You weren't able to come up with a plan at that summit. You can't bail out Greece without the International Monetary Fund coming in to save, at least for the moment, your euro dream. And yet, Mr Van Rompuy, your plan seems to be we're, we're losing, we're failing, let's have more of the same. Let's have more Europe, let's have more failure. But what really matters is the loss of democracy here. You have not been elected. You are not accountable. There is no mechanism for the peoples of Europe to remove you. It was Zeus, of course, that kidnapped Europa. My fear is you are kidnapping our democracy. You are only here because that Lisbon Treaty went through without the British people being given the referendum that they were promised. And as far as we're concerned, this is unfinished business. People fought and died so that we could be an independent, self-governing, democratic nation that was able to hire and fire its leaders, and no one that believes in democracy will accept the post of President of the European Union. Thank you. You know, and, and for all the noise, Farage this guy makes, is my hero. Yeah, he he really makes a good point. You know, and this is a lot of people have been sold on the idea of you know why don't we just all play together and be one big world government and uh, you know we'll all solve the problems together and kumbaya hold hands and tell each other a secret. And he's he makes a great point. He says that people fought and died to be able to elect our leaders, and now all of a sudden here's this uh, complete douche. Who's sitting there unelected, and he is, he is the Obama of Europe. That is his position. And, and by the way, he makes twice as much money as Obama. And he's got, no. uh, yeah, anyway. He's not so, wearing it. No, Nigel Farage is uh, quite an amazing guy. I think he's a lone voice, and uh, he better watch his back. He's yeah, he is a lone voice. That's yeah. kind of the disappointing part about this. Yeah, where, where are the Brits? The, you know, if I can just say Gitmo Nation East... You know, the Brits, and I lived there for four or five years, they're so suppressed, they're such slaves that all they can do after a nice day at the factory is go and drink themselves into oblivion. You know, go out and look at the French, man. At least the French are out there burning shit and blowing stuff up. John, hang up the phone. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know... I got on a mailing list. Uh, uh, let me tell you about well, this. Just turn it off. Just turn I the just ring did. off. I just did. I took it off the hook. I mean, I usually don't get calls. I don't on care Thursday about the mailing list. Hour. I have more important stuff to talk about. Because we have some suicides taking place. Oh, okay. Let's go to the suicides. Two suicide. We need a suicide jingle. <laughs> well, it's basically that. That's all we've got. Uh, a chef at Euro Disney hanged himself at his home last Friday. Left a note saying, uh, I can't handle it anymore. Kids, I will miss you, but I can't. This is very interesting the way his suicide note is worded. Uh, I have to increase my numbers with fewer resources. Reason enough to kill yourself. This, by the way, is the fourth suicide in a month. in Euro Disney, the happiest place on earth. Four people have committed suicide in the past month. Huh. Now... So I'm, you know, so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. This is uh, what's going on there. 
And then I find another little article. Uh, so that is, uh, by the way, listed under Le Gitmo Nation in, uh, in the show notes. The uh, company Foxconn in Shanghai, do you know what Foxconn does? Yeah, they're the biggest provider of laptops, and I think they make the iPhone. They're huge. Foxconn yeah. and, and Quant are the two big boys. Yes, so uh, they, of course, made a lot of uh, the parts for the uh, iPad as well as the iPhone for suicides. In the past month. Oh, uh, you know, this stems back to, to an investigation, I think. That's hmm. interesting. Well, so here we have, uh, yesterday an 18-year-old female worker at Foxconn became the fourth person in as many weeks to attempt suicide. Well, she attempted suicide by jumping from one of the factory buildings. She'd been working at the Lagua plant for a month. Fortunately, a tree broke her fall. She could just catch herself with a stick in the eye. Uh, March 29th, a 23-year-old man named Liu jumped out of a dormitory. A lot of people jumping, by the way. Jumped out of a dormitory window at 3 o'clock in the morning, dressed only in his factory shirt and underwear. March 11th, 9.30 p.m., worker in his 20s named Li jumped to his death, again at the Longua plant. March 7th, a female employee named Tian jumped from her dormitory building and injured herself, saying she was under a great deal of pressure. This jumping stuff, I don't buy that. That, to me, is push. And I don't know what's going on, but there is something very weird about this, uh, about this Foxconn uh, outfit. Well, you know, it could be scandalous because then this is the, this is, they, they don't just make parts. They're not a parts company. They, no, they make they, they finished make the, product. The, yeah, the finished I think devices. the iPad and the iPhone are made by them. That's what this article states. Well, this is like, you know, everyone got over Kathy Lee Griff, whatever, Gifford for having making shoes in a, in a sweatshop. I mean, uh, maybe somebody should get on Apple from using Foxcom for this sort of thing and if they're running a sweatshop. So I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting, and, and especially Euro Disney, the happiest place on earth. Four suicides. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the Gitmo Nation files, we have... Uh, this was pretty interesting uh, when it comes to technology. This is from the dailyilini.com, which is, uh, see, where is this? Uh, where is that from? Uh, yeah, University of Illinois. That's the Illini. Illini, Illuminati. The University Police Department is testing a new automatic license plate scanning technology this week making the department one of the first in the area to try the system. So what exactly is the system, you might ask? Well, it consists of a video camera mounted on a squad car, which records license plate numbers as the car drive. We talked about this, that these are in San Francisco, which records license plate numbers as the car drives through traffic lanes and parking lots. The recorded plate is stored in the car's computer system and cross-checked in the system's national database of license plates belonging to sex offenders, gang members, and criminal offenders. If the system matches the recorded license plate to a plate in the database, the computer alerts the officer driving the car, giving them an opportunity to pursue the offender if necessary. But it gets better. The system is linked to GPS, which records the time the plate was scanned as well as its estimated location. The information is downloaded and stored into a server at the police station. This is sounding really good, isn't it? I'm loving it. I mean, 
isn't there a law against storing this kind of stuff? There's probably not, or they wouldn't. Even oh, if there yeah, was, right. they'd do it anyway. Please, <laughs> sorry. In the UK, and um, you know, they have uh, license plate recognition cameras all over the motorways. Apparently, they store that information for two years. Well, that way they can see where you've been and what you've gone, where you've gone. I don't see this ever. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it ends up as dead information because they never use it right, and it's always screwed up. The databases are corrupted. There's too much data. They don't know what to do with it. Well, someone's guys are, f- there's these creepy. Uh, they talk about just you know the, the sex offenders. I mean, they they made everybody a sex offender. Yeah. Uh, and then they ended up because uh, you're naked on your cell phone. Ah, sex offender. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, the real some real sex offender moves in next door and he decides not to play the game, so he doesn't file any papers or anything, and doesn't get a car, takes the bus, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a tip. Yeah, that's a here's a <laughs> handy no agenda any. sex offender tip: take the bus. <laughs> you might meet interesting people. Gitmo Nation down under, Australia is creating a new government post. A new ministerial post, John. Can you imagine what it could be? A uh, sex offender post. No. It is the Minister of Population Strategy. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, population Strategy. Okay. All of our listeners and producers down there and Gitmo Nation down under. Uh, I think we better get our trip going soon, John, because they're going to start culling the population like they yeah, cull kangaroos. Be, that, that means our listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're the first on the list. I was like, wow. Then we have uh, it, it just a, oh, wait a minute. Oh, shoot, I should have saved that page. There was a good one about airline. Uh, they're going to put microphones and cameras in airplanes so we can, uh, we can check on you. And, uh, yeah. And then my favorite, you know, we've been talking about... Uh, By the way, before you get off, let me just, there's another article in this crazy little newspaper that I want to bring up. It's something we, we talk about every now and again, but they have a graph in here. And I, this remind, there was a speech given recently by a black ex-prosecutor uh, uh, for, I think, Washington, D.C. or someplace who quit and became a professor because he was fed up with the fact that uh, his, in his commentary was, the crime rate goes up, the number of people in jail goes up. The crime rate goes down. The number of people in jail goes up. And so I'm looking at this incarcerated Americans thing. And, you know, it's not as though we had, let me just read this. Over 2 million people are currently behind bars in the United States. They represent the highest per capita, per capita incarceration rate in the history of the world. With about 5% of the world's population, America has distribution of housing of one quarter of the world's prisoners. It was by far the world's largest prison system. And we're worried about Gitmo. <laughs> we are Gitmo. We're total Gitmo. And if you look in the chart, it's where we had like, we right now we're running over 2 million. It's about 2.4. I think it's like. more. I thought it was closer to 3. I thought it, it was always be. about 10% well, this, of this, the that, this US population. Ends in 2006. So, right. yeah, it's probably gone up another half a million. And why half a million is kind of uh, uh, interesting is because in 1920, we had like, I don't know, 100,000 in jail. It, it maintained about 250,000, 250,000, 250,000. Then it kind of went up to 500,000 in 1980. And then starting with Reagan, it skyrocketed and increased. It accelerated under Clinton and kept going up under Bush. Yeah, well, this is all because uh, of the commercial jail system. And by the way, these jails aren't too bad. 
They got like nice facilities, some of them. Well, They're, I suppose if you're out of work, you know. Yeah, it's better. You're probably better to be in jail. Yeah, than homeless. So the IRS, uh, and this is a, a clip from the National Press Club, and uh, they got uh, one of these uh, IRS, what's his name, Shulman. He's the IRS commissioner, Doug, Douglas, Dougie, Doogie, Doogie Shulman. And so whenever they say, oh, we're going to go after rich people, that's when uh, people like you and me, like not rich people, need to look out. Totally. He's basically never go after rich people. (laughs) No, here's what he's saying. We're going to go get you slaves and we're going to come after you. Here it comes. So we're going to continue to use new and enhanced techniques to bring people into the tax system and make sure they pay the taxes if they've been hiding assets overseas. We have a new global high wealth operating unit where we're taking a unified look at the entire web of business and economic entities controlled by high wealth individuals so we can better assess their compliance risk. Yeah, right. We want to bring people into the tax system. That has nothing to do with high wealth individuals. They are in the tax system. The high wealth individuals are the ones who are not in the tax system. The, the, the one they're going after, the ones that are not in the tax system, that's like the little guy. Yeah. And they're incredible. Borderline characters. Oh, it's just. Uh, the, um, there was some, some actual big news that I don't think many people understood, but I, I love the acronym NPR, which is really what caught my attention as I was scanning through, uh, through the channels because, you know. It's what we do, so you don't have to. Watching, you got to go to, uh, I think it's defense.gov slash NPR, which is just funny, of course, because we have a new national treasure. And this is the, I love this acronym, the Nuclear Posture Review. Because we can have a posture. Oh. And this was just announced uh, yesterday. The administration's Nuclear Posture Review outlines the means to achieve greater security from worldwide nuclear dangers. This is essentially um, our position on uh, nuclear weapons and how everyone else will have to adhere to it. Mm. And and it's really kind of funny because it says, well, you know, we're not going to use any nukes. We're not going to, unless you piss us off. (laughs) <laughs> That's basically what it is, and I, and I don't know if this is uh, meant specifically to, you know, to, to rattle the saber at Iran. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but it was a big ass deal, and everybody was out on stage. And of course, uh, Hillary Clinton, the former wife of, she's starting to look pretty raggedy. She's gotten well. She she has her look though. She's she's gotten a kind of a yeah. Look but that, I think she's getting worn out. She's gonna she's not gonna keep this job much longer. So here are the five key objectives of our nuclear posture review. Uh, the, the whole word is doublespeak. It's 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 complete George Orwell posture. One preventing nuclear proliferation and nuclear terrorism. Two. Reducing the role of U.S. nuclear weapons in U.S. national security strategy. Three, maintaining strategic deterrence and stability at reduced nuclear force levels. Four, strengthening a regional deterrence and reassuring U.S. allies and partners. And five, sustaining a safe, secure, and effective nuclear arsenal. 
this is so this is so bogus. But you need to take a look at this. I'm looking at it. And this is a picture of a bunch of geeks. There's a bunch of quadrennial defense review, and it just looks like a phony. It looks like another eight million dollar website <laughs> that is uh, got nothing interesting on it, and it's either coded for some other audience or uh, just a bunch of bullcrap. It's disturbing because you can't quite figure out what it's about. Uh, but I did read through because the documents are online. There's a PDF. I read through it, and it, 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 you know this is New Start strategic whatever it stands for and essentially it literally says you know hey everyone calm down we're not going to use any nukes unless you piss us off that's literally what it says it's like hey if someone pisses us off we're going to go nuke you yeah but that's our, that's our new posture we, oh we're so lovely <sighs> then uh let me see i have uh where is it I'm, I'm half asleep today. I can't find anything. There was a new uh, shadow puppet theater. Here it is. Uh, President Obama's nominee, because you know he nominated all these people during the uh, during the the recess. Mm -hmm. So these are all the people. That I guess they couldn't get these positions confirmed, and so then the press. Which, by the way, the press is not covering at all, at all. So he uh, nominated the U.S. Army General Counsel who pledges to investigate anyone leaking military secrets to the media. Now, where do you think this guy comes from? Where? The New York Times. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was the former chief legal officer for the New York Times. And even better than that, he's receiving a $1 million deferred compensation from the Times while he's working in government as the U.S. Army General Counsel. Shadow Puppet Theater. I mean, come on. Does it get any more obvious? That is absolutely the worst. He is going to investigate people leaking military secrets to the media, which, of course, is what happens with the New York Times all the time. I mean, this is... The, and, so, and then the New York Times is giving him a million dollars to be on it, to take this position. A million dollars... How much money do they make over there at the New York Times? They're always whining. According to a recent government ethics filing, Mr. Watson, who resigned as chief legal officer at the newspaper, expects six more payments from a New York Times company executive compensation plan ending in 2015. So he'll be <laughs> he'll be getting money throughout the whole throughout the whole time. I mean, it wouldn't be like, hey, man, we're not going to pay you if you don't like hook us up. It's crazy. No, that is crazy. Uh, okay, well, you, I'm glad that you got the depressing news in at the end there. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, in real news, Natalie Del Conte is five and a half months pregnant. Hello? Yeah, she's a PR person to uh, promote herself as pregnant. I mean, I did. Oh, I got helicopters going over. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's been all over the news for the last month. Oh, gee, I must have been looking at something uh, important. <laughs> been watching too much C-SPAN. <laughs> yeah, it's what we do. No, I was like, what? I hope it's not that douchebag she told me. No, about. no, this is supposed to be somebody. Uh, he's one of the uh, guys he works for CBS or something. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. She she couldn't decide. Oh man, 
Wow. No, this is not the guy that she was dating when she was down here. No, no, it's not that guy. But this guy, she told me about this guy, and he uh, he was married. I don't know. He was, oh? Yeah, yeah, he has kids, too. Uh, we'll have to look into this. I don't want to start making accusations. No, nah, me neither. But I was just, like, shocked. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. She's going to lose her girlish figure. <laughs> she just may. And, of course, my favorite topic being chemtrails, the thing that you don't believe. Well, now the government has released a report, 128 pages, where they actually admit to spraying chemicals in the atmosphere over the United States, particular over cities. So you can stop scoffing at me every single time I bring I it up. I want to see the report. This is bull. It is not. It's government report, my friend. Yeah, sure. And in, uh, yeah, you, you don't believe it? No. And in Europe, in fact, uh, their European Parliament, there are now questions being asked, quote, uh, why aircraft condensation trails no longer only contain water? I mean, this is big. This is, you know, there's this whole geoengineering bunch of yahoos who uh, just met last month, and they're, they're trying to change climate. I mean, I think they're trying to control people with the chemtrails, but this report is fascinating. I will put it in the show notes, daily, uh, not daily source code, uh, noagendashow.com, and you can read through it, 128 pages, and it's all there. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll see what I'll report back. And if you, and you will, yeah, you'll report back, and then you'll just say you'll have to be... You'll have to concede. No, I won't because I know it's going to be. It's going to be. You're going to have misread it. So uh, I we're not going to get to a couple things this week. I want to point this out to people. One, my breakdown of this uh, edu- new book on education. I was going to talk about today. We never got to it. And also, I've got some very interesting stuff from a John Dean interview that was done on C-SPAN. That uh, especially one very disturbing uh, comment that he made. So you have a thing for the end of the show we'll play after the, the no, final music? No, not this week because it would sure? it actually really tie into another thing. It's another 15 minutes we'd have to do, so uh, we'll put it off. Uh, but, now, but now I'm really interested. Yeah, I know. That's good. That's what you want. Now you're going <laughs> to yeah. be even more interested. To, to, you will want to do the show on Sunday. No, I, I want you to do it now. I'm like, I'm, I'm, now I'm really into it. All right. Here's the deal. This will oh, be all. Okay. This, well, I was already starting to show music. Okay, good. So I'm listening to John Dean, who's become this fairly prolific writer. And, of course, he was the uh, counsel to the president during Watergate. And he's the one who turned state's evidence and, and, and blew the whistle on what the hell was going on because these guys had gotten completely out of control. Now, I would always, or, now they, they've redesigned uh, this, uh, uh, what we now remember as Watergate. And they've, they've kind of obfuscated what was actually going on, which was essentially a crazy thuggery. Uh, and it was uh, coordinated by... Uh, among other people, Chuck Colson. And Colson has been repainted since he became a Christian. Uh, in fact, he got a presidential medal from George Bush. Uh, and uh, and they managed to change the, the, you know, the, the, the story, the basic story of Watergate. And I've always remembered hearing about some of the crazy ideas that Colson had that he wanted to do and thought they were just, and they were always just promoted as wacky. The guy was wacky. But listening to John Dean talk about specifically the firebombing or proposed firebombing of the Brookings Institute by the Nixon White House, it wasn't a crazy idea. It was actually in play and about to happen until Dean called him out on it and said, you can't do this. 
And so Dean t- talks about that a little bit in this first clip. First, uh, that, that intrigued me. One was with a to become a, a a short-term assistant or, or deputy general counsel, and then be boosted up to general counsel of a shipping uh, worldwide shipping line. And the other was a Wall Street job that very is an investment banker that uh, intrigued me very much. Uh, both out of politics, something I wanted to do, something different. Uh, and I explained that to Haldeman, and he said, John, you can't leave. You owe it to us to stay. You leave, you'll burn your bridge with us. You need to keep that bridge open. Uh, right. And a- after it's over, you're even going to get better offers. Didn't might mention it might be making license plates somewhere, but uh, he really, in essence, said you can't leave and you're going to hurt yourself if you do. I'm, I suspect years later he wished he'd let me go. Uh, but I, I, it was that two things, you know, the fact I had told the Senate I was not going to spend a long time in government and the fact that I had not liked the mood and uh, change and the nature. Uh, this is, you know, right after I'd flown out in July to turn off the Brookings break-in. I, Jack Caulfield shows up in my office one day and he says he's been ordered by Colson to break in and firebomb the Brookings Institute. I said, Jack, I said, that's insane. I, I said, don't do anything. And I flew to San Clemente, uh, got Ehrlichman to turn it off, uh, and, and came back. Krogh comes back and says, well, John, uh, there are a lot of people who think you're a little old lady around here. I can't even tell you what they've asked me to do. It was set up the plumbers. Huh. Uh, so I knew it was time to leave. Yeah, you know, I thought it was time to leave. Did you ever... Did you know... If people think that this shit stopped with Watergate, you're crazy. It's only gotten worse. Everything we've discussed on this show is poking through the the veil, the theater that is being laid out before you, and everything you everything you see on television is a part of it. And this shit goes on. It's lethal. These guys are crazy. Power, yeah. power corrupts. It's not even about money. It's about power. They're just freaking nuts. They're schizos. They're, they're nutcases. Dvorak.org slash NA. We need your help. Now, uh, we're going to finish the show now, and I've got, uh, there's a little more John Dean we're going to play. And I'll tell you what this is. Essentially, is John Dean breaking down some of the problems that we have today. Do you want to play that after we're done? Or you yeah, want after to we're back? done. Okay, yeah. Good. Oops, sorry. Wrong one. Uh, it, it, look, John <laughs> Dean goes on, and he, he basically accuses, I talked earlier, a bit moaning about the Republican Party and their idiot, idiot candidates. Um, he breaks down some of the problems that Republicans are going to run into by virtue of the fact that they're essentially creating a system, a structure. And I, I include people like Sean Hannity into that, in that structure and also Palin of essentially lying to their constituents with a... Uh, oh, you don't say. There's lying going on there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he, he lays it out in a more interesting way, and uh, he uh, goes and talks about some other things about Cheney, and he talks about Bush, uh, what he thinks is going to... how his history is going to see him, and it's all kind of counterintuitive to today's Republicans who, I, like I said, are checklist Republicans. Uh, the checklist conservative where you have, to, you have to be exactly the way this list says you should be or you're not a real conservative. You're a phony. You can't have any... You can't think for yourself, in other words. And uh, that is, I think, the problem that the Republicans have, and which is why I think they're going to lose in 2010 and 2012. 
Not that it matters who wins or loses, because right, I'm still... we, we we got that premise. But at the yeah. same time, there's just, there is a, sh- a shift of you know of ideology, and it it does affect the public. It doesn't affect the you know the power structure, but it affects the public who who's in office. But uh, so, anyways, so we'll finish so, with that. Yeah. So if you're uh, listening to this particular program at noagendastream.com. Um, here's what you're probably going to do, because I don't know if we've actually gotten through to anyone. You're probably going to go, okay, that was fun. Now let me go to, I have to look at the Steve Jobs OS, iPhone OS 4 release. Oh, what's going on there? You're being distracted. You're being distracted from what actually is happening. So when you do that, go over to PayPal and send us some money. Give us some support. So while you're fiddling around with your iPhone OS 4, we can actually go do some more work. With it, like another full day of the week, buy us a day. That would, that would be very. And helpful. thank you very much for those who have contributed and continue to contribute. I really uh, appreciate that. Well, yeah, it's not that I'm not appreciative, of it, but I, I think we we have more listeners, and people need to understand the message. This is the only way that we can do it. So uh, dvorak.org/na show notes for this program, which are quite extensive, at noagendashow.com. And I'm coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Southern California. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where it is garbage day, they actually pick up garbage. The government does that. Uh, well, actually, it's a private company. But anyway, the government makes it to subscribe. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on the Sunday morning for early service of No Agenda. One of the uh, one of the saddest things that I've seen happen of late, politicians have been known to uh, spin information. This is not new. What is new, in fact, it was it, it was so troubling to me that I had to address it head on. It's an intellectual dishonesty that I think is going to have serious reverberations for conservatives. Uh, It's happening too often. I'm seeing it, I saw it first with this Watergate revisionism. Uh, I also saw it in documents like the torture memos that were uh, written by John Yoo. Uh, I've seen it in some of his books. In fact, in writing Broken Government, it got so bad at one point I decided to write an appendix to show people the sorts of activities that are being undertaken uh, by people who know better. And and, uh, staying with John Yoo for a minute, this is a very intelligent man. This is a man who clerked for Lawrence Silverman at at the U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals, went on to clerk for Clarence Thomas, was the counsel of the House uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, is now a Berkeley professor, very prolific writer, uh, and he is distorting information in a very dishonest way. Uh, and I think that to do that, to make a point, uh, and to try to do it for political purposes is very dangerous. And I certainly hope Republicans and uh, the the authoritarian uh, Republican, at least, the authoritarian conservative Republican, uh, gets off this kick because it's going to backfire on them. You wrote in the book on Warren Harden some of the parallels between the Teapot Dome scandal and Watergate. What were they? Well, uh, there's the, the first of all, of course, it's the first time we have a special prosecutor. We get in Teapot Dome, too. Uh, I want to caveat your, your uh, mention of, of, of uh, Teapot Dome and Harding with the fact that 
Warren Harding has nothing to do with it. That's, that's one of the great uh, travesties that he's been tagged with Teapot Dome when it happens after he's, it's totally away from him. The, the, the one time he learns a scandal, he deals with aggressively, uh, but yet he t- bears the burden of Teapot Dome. And he dies before he can defend himself. And he dies before he can defend himself. But Teapot Dome is a, is a pure corruption scandal. And the only parallel, really, uh, the, the strongest parallel is the, the use of the special prosecutor. Uh, they've selected two of them by the, the, the Department of Justice. The Attorney General has selected two. In fact, I've read memo uh, by the Watergate prosecutors drawing on many of the precedents that were uh, established under Teapot Dome. It, it shows we have a remedy less than having to have an independent counsel law uh, that can be used and can be set up, and I think sometimes should. I, I'm one, for example, who doesn't understand why we're not dealing with torture that way. I mean, these are very serious crimes. They're war crimes, and they're not going to go away. There are foreign governments right now investigating uh, at least seven former Bush officials, and uh, if we don't do so, uh, they could well be, you know, uh, they certainly aren't going to travel abroad, for one thing, but certainly they could be uh, theoretically tried uh, in absentia. Uh, of crimes. So how do you think history will judge George W. Bush? <sighs> Obviously, history, Nixon's famous line, that it, it, it depends on the historian who writes the history, will make the judgment. Collectively, uh, I think that uh, he's in for trouble. Uh, I think that uh, he gave too much power in the first six years of his eight-year presidency to his vice president. His vice president had an agenda that was uh, uh, to try to overturn anything that uh, was a result of Watergate. Uh, These very aggressive actions in in the name of fighting uh, uh, terrorism went way over the top, keeping Americans frightened to get the mandate to do so uh, are are, are troubling uh, historical Potentials. They they have not. They've never been accountable for many of the activities they've undertook. Uh, the fact that we went to war in Iraq with on a, on a really a bogus uh, reason. Uh, those all need to be addressed and will be addressed. And I don't think history is going to be real good to uh, either Bush or Cheney. Thou shalt donate at Dvorak.org slash N-A-N-A.